from Hollywood, California. The East Coast. You gotta, you gotta take a right off the highway. Go about 3,000 miles from Connecticut. It's the Mike Mike and Oscars Award Show featuring also Mike and Mike won with live performances by nobody. It's our award show. Hi, guys. The Mike Mike and Oscars, the third annual. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also Mike. So you would have been great in like the 1940s when everybody had <laughs> you that make same... that joke. I think every year we've done this. I think that's been your opener. <laughs> Remember when all the homogenized radio yeah. voices out there, I don't know if it was audio. All the white guys like, with sinus infections. All the white guys with sinus infections, which we still are. Yeah, pretty much. In general. Especially living in New England. We're not doing well with our with our na- nasal cavities. <laughs> but and... the audio's better, so right. we get some personality. It's just a step up uh, like to the ears. That's all it is. This is the Mike Mike and Oscars Award Show, better known as our best of 20. 20- 2019, covering all things film year, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, and basically the you. You, dear listeners, have, as we asked you to, you have formatted a good portion of this show, and we will be including your work, and you guys once again did a stellar job asking not only for our opinions on some things having to do with film, you put in your own opinions about some things having to do with film, we are going to do our best to highlight pretty much everything we got. If there is something you sent in that we did not address or make part of the show, please do let us know. Uh, Mike, uh, I know it was up pretty late formatting this. We've been spending a couple hours ourselves trying to get everything together and get it in somewhat of an order that makes coherent sense. It will make some coherent <laughs> sense. It will not make all coherent sense, but uh, you did a great job. Thank you so yes, much. You it did. really helps us this time of year. Like I keep my ongoing lists going throughout yeah. award season, not not just award season, the, the year round. So this isn't the hardest episode for me to prepare. Right. However, when I have to like look at best ofs and come up with nominees, it's so hard. You guys did most of that this yeah. episode. I'm like so relieved. It's it, you have no idea. We have the best listeners in the most creative listeners in the world and we keep saying that and you guys keep proving it and making it easy for us yeah. to prove i should say we should do this for more things my goal is <laughs> to be able to half ass this <laughs> it's to be able to half ass this so much more right now we're about three quarters assing this yeah we gotta yeah. get to half ass i do have a small ass for a big guy but that's a different story for a different podcast for this podcast like we said we we're talking about all things having to do with film and we kind feel a little rejuvenated after having a couple guests on for our category reviews like we did. I know William Bibiani really kind of dropped the hammer about reigniting that fire of importance for what we do here. Our job as film critics and as Oscar pundits is to draw attention not only to the best movies that are being recognized the most, but the best movies, period, that are not being recognized, that are underrated, that are not given enough awards, that we want to patron and and shout out, and not just do that at a certain time of year. I mean, Bibiani made the point to say that you got to do that throughout the year. I mean, we've naturally had this in our programming the last three years. So I think, you know, we do some of that, but certainly today was a great opportunity to mention a lot of awesome films. Eric Weber, Chris Gore, Izzy from Be Be Kind Rewind, R.L. Terry, who's going to come 
up a bunch today. They've been saying some of the similar things yes. throughout our category reviews and recent interviews as well. So I did want to shout them out also. But th this is a, kind of a mission statement episode for us, and we're really excited for you to hear it. So uh, just to kind of set the table, beautifully said by you, Mike, and we thank all our guests who have had input, and each one of them have kind of reinvigorated and remotivated us to, to dive into the 2020 film year, but we're not done with 2019 yet. So what this episode is going to be formatted on, like last year, we're going to have a bunch of fun audience categories that you guys have prepared and sent in to us. We will also be weaving in most, if not all, I think all of the Oscar categories as well. Yes. For the big eight, the screenplay, four acting categories, director and picture, we will be giving you our top fives in those categories. All of the other ones, we're just going to highlight our winner mm -hmm. of those quote-unquote undercard categories. Uh, we will be giving winners for the categories from you guys that have asked us to do so. If you gave us a winner, we will read those off as well. Just to know these are not our predictions. That is coming later in this week. As a matter of fact, the next episode from MMO is going to be our official Oscars gambling preview and prediction show that we also do every year. Yes, sir. So this is just what we think the film year should have highlighted, the best ofs Mike, Mike, and Oscar. So, without any further ado, Michael, let's bring out our first presenters for the first topic. The first category is... Best movie title mashup. This is from Alex underscore McCollum one on Instagram MCC O L L U M the number one. He says Annabelle comes home for Sama. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Yesterday I lost my body fighting with my family. I like that one. I like that one. It sounds like a horrible, horrible day. <laughs> Marriage story combat obscura. <laughs> After the wedding, <laughs> which I is just, it was supposed to be those three. I'm not quite sure. It's also just what happens when you get married, right? As I've heard. <laughs> Apparently, I've heard that too. That's a fun cliche. Spies in disguise crawl in the absence. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> Judy asked Dr. Ruth what men want. I like that one a lot. <laughs> Finding Julia 47 meters down uncaged. So is oh Julia the name of the monster? From 47 meters down? Is that what the pitch is here? Or is Julia just dead and drowned? Julia's just dead and drowned. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. It's terrible. And it gets worse. Abominable <laughs> little women break through the neighbor's window. <laughs> so my pick is the last one. I like the effort of the last one. I really do. Uh, just for the sake of being different, uh, I guess I will go with Judy Ask Dr. Ruth what okay. men want because that's what people do when they go to the therapist anyway. Yeah. That makes sense. I liked yesterday I lost my body fighting with my family. <laughs> that too. sounds like a horrible Tuesday. You know what I mean? Like, you just go home and just mayhem erupts. I've had those days in my house as well. Great category. We're off to a running start. Let's go to actress in a supporting role. We will be giving our top fives for the supporting actress category, Michael. My number five is Octavia Spencer from Loose. Uh, we've been praising her throughout the, the look she gave that kid, Calvin Harrison yeah. Jr., my God. She's in my five as well. Keep going. Four is Jennifer Lopez from Hustlers. Of course. How dare the How Academy. did I not move it up, though, after the Super Bowl halftime show? I'll tell That's you, I, it's the only thing I've been thinking about for this category since Sunday for some reason. It's the only thing I've been thinking about <laughs> Period. since Sunday. <laughs> yeah. For an obvious reason. She just destroyed everything. <laughs> My number three is Taylor Russell from Waves. Nice and to see her get some shine by you. You've been a big to, fan of that all year. To. Now look, I had Kathy Bates in the pole position, then I moved her behind Taylor Russell. Now I got her back in number two. I just have to. I thought her performance is terrific. So Kathy Bates from Richard Jewell as everybody's mom. 
uh, in a movie. Like, she's the perfect movie mom, right? I ended up omitting her from my five. Oh, no. And I was very, very heartbroken that I had to. Well, here's someone I'm sure you did not omit. Florence Pugh from Little Women's my number one. I figured we would have the same winner there. We do have the same winner. With apologies to Scarlett Johansson from Jojo Rabbit, Caitlin Dever from Booksmart, Margot from the year of 2019, and Yao Zhou. there you go, Parasite fans, I'm being nice, uh, as well as Julia Fox, who I was in love with oh my God. from Uncut Gems, oh and of course, God. Kathy Bates, who I had to leave out. Xu uh, Jin Zhao, my number five, from The Farewell. You got a retainer in? Yeah, well, I'm just not good with those. Like I say that name, and it's just Spit City, and I apologize for that, and to my microphone. Uh, Elizabeth Moss, from Us. Wow. I want to see, I can't wait to see The Invisible Man. The Invisible Man, I had no interest in when I saw it was on IMDb, and then I saw it was an Elizabeth Moss movie, and then I saw the type of adaptation it is, and now it's one of my, I can't wait, one of my biggest, uh, most wanting to see, that's not a phrase, but you know what I mean. Movies. She was great, yes. She uh, was in great, quarter one of 20, uh, 2020, it's 2020, God, <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, Octa- J-Lo is my number three. Yep. She follows Octavia Spencer, who is my two. Florence Pugh would win the category for me as well. Okay, so we're going to interweave Ryan L. Terry's best of the year horror movie questions mm-hmm. as well. So the five nominees for best actress in a supporting role in a horror film are Elizabeth Moss from Us, Shahadi Wright-Joseph from Us, mm. Melanie Scrofano from Ready or Not. She's the funny girl doing the coke in the mirror kind of thing. <laughs> Gwendolyn Christie from In Fabric, oh, and Jessica Chastain from It Chapter 2. Jessica Chastain probably had the most... I don't even know if I would call her a supporting. Yeah. She's probably a leading in that category. Probably I think that might be a little category fraud. I will again go with Elizabeth Moss just because she did crack. I was enamored with her in Us. Truly, I was mesmerized by her performance upon rewatch. And I, yeah, I underlined her here yeah. too. So I have to go with Elizabeth Moss as well. Documentary feature, Mike. I am just going to tab my winner. This is of no surprise to a lot of people because I've been gushing over this movie the last couple of weeks. For Sama. How close is the grading on you between For Sama and Apollo 11? It's two points two now. Points. It's two points now, I think. It, you, it, Apollo 11's been dropping for me because I watched it on TV. When you take it out of the cinemas, yeah. it doesn't have the same effect, which, you know, say what you want about the cinematic, the theater going experience, I should say, but the bigger the screen you could find to have that, and the bigger surround sound, oh, yeah. the more you're going to have benefit from it. It's still Apollo 11 for me. Cool. Uh, I have yet to see For Sama. I've, there's a couple things we're going to go over that I've yet to see, but i got to get my feet wet in that. But Apollo 11 was just, again, I'll say, it wasn't even a documentary. It was just an American experience that I think everybody in this country should go and view at least once. Truly. So I just got to shut the laptop when I watch it at home, basically. Right. That's what I should do. Also, it was like the only documentary this year that didn't make me want to like run and cry to a therapist out of like <laughs> anger or self-doubt or existential dread. So you like a Go America movie once in a while? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not too. against this country. Go America. <laughs> no, A. We like it. All right, so let's uh, let's touch on Ryan L. Terry's, uh, at least a few more of his uh, questions here. Best horror remake, and he sees more horror movies than you and I, but I only have Pet Cemetery or Child's Play. It's such to a choose tough from. question because Pet Cemetery had such a low bar, <laughs> especially because we didn't do the Child's Play rewatch. So I think that might, I have to say Pet Cemetery because it was. It was still a B minus, but it was infinitely better than the original. I think I gave it a low B, and I gave Child's Play a lower B. They're close. Yeah, Child's Play like a C plus. Yeah. I admired a few things in that screenplay, and I guess that's a good transition to best horror OG screenplay. Now, I don't know how to interpret this one. I should have messaged Ryan. It could be best original screenplay from a G, 
or best original gangster <laughs> horror movie script? I don't know which it is because I have two answers. <laughs> okay. Best original screenplay. Yeah. From a G because, you, you know, I mean, you got to be. <laughs> right? I got to be honest. I have no idea where you're going Ready with this. Ready or not is okay. my best original <laughs> horror screenplay. But my best original gangster horror, horror movie script. Right. Or, I'm sorry. I interpreted it this way. It's a horror movie script with gangsters. I see. Okay. So but we the have original to gangster. I, I, I'm so white, but I'm also white. I'm also Mike. The Safdie brothers for Uncut Gems, because that movie is the most horrifying film of the last 10 years. Wow. You really just don't like being yelled at, huh? <laughs> Prolonged yelling in your face causes a reaction. No, it's a horror you movie recoil. because gambling oh. downward spiral. Oh, God, that movie made so me warm. so anxious. It's like being tucked in by my grandmother oh, while she's screaming at me for being a degenerate. Terrifying, Michael. <laughs> I don't have an answer. I took it as best original horror movie screenplay, oh, which I will work into my original screenplay category. So very I'll good. save my reveal, I guess, going on. But I liked Uncut Gems very much. I actually don't think I nominated it for. I nominated for one category. I have one nomination for it. Okay, and I think we both have an answer for this next one: best adapted screenplay in a horror movie. I think we're both going with Mike Flanagan from Doctor Sleep. It's one of my biggest surprises of the year is how highly ranked that movie is going to be when we reveal our best movies of 2019 list at the end of the episode yeah i saw that i was surprised yeah. i was surprised i was surprised to see you that high on it but mike flanagan's been growing on a lot of people well you people know what it is too obsessed with him. i mean he's a great horror director in yeah. and of himself and i give all the credit in the world to degree of difficulty and mm -hmm. that's part of the reason why i'm so obsessed with what Greta gerwig did part of the reason why i'm so obsessed with what mike flanagan pulled yeah. off I, I give a lot of credit when writing to degree of difficulty just dawned on me now best hat in a movie this year <laughs> yes Rose the yes hat. great great category i like it all right speaking of heads makeup and hairstyling Take that any way you want it <laughs> i'm gonna go with bombshell because i think i gotta of course it's bombshell i it's mean bombshell. and i didn't give enough credit to john lithgow's ability to be just the grossest mm -hmm. and his heavy breathing and it like it's such a poignant moment and it's meant to be disturbing and disgusting and credit to the bombshell uh director i can't remember the name right now but the, jay roach i think yep drops the music out so all you hear is his like groan it's just a gross moment but it's so real and palpable and credit to john lithgow credit to margot robbie for being in that scene and them two trusting each other that much with what was going on there you uh, call that a horror movie too that yeah. was gross and i also you know i mean elizabeth banks was in it but she wasn't but she wasn't she was never casted she was not i wonder if she got a paycheck she should not have. <laughs> Agree to disagree, sir. Best wig, Michael. <laughs> to me, it's got to be a tie between all the wigs and Downton Abbey. That confuses me. We had a conversation after that movie about how bad we both thought that wig was on one of the leading women. Who? I, the main one. Oh, I don't know. the one I don't like, Mary. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't like Mary. You never like Mary. If you told me any name you made up was from Game of Thrones or <laughs> Downton Abbey, I'd just be like, yeah, that one. <laughs> Oh, I was trying to think of a weird name, but I can't think of Book one. Bookcase Baratheon. Uh, perhaps honorable mention Eddie Murphy that he that's did a the, great the, the afro he yeah. takes off. That's because I didn't wig. even realize. I thought he grew it out or something. Yeah. I didn't know. And then he he shows Divine Randolph. He actually works it into the scene, so that was cool. Opposite of a wig too. We've talked about this a couple times already. But what Taron Egerton is given is a bald cap and Rocket Man. It was a bald cap. Yeah, yeah, very good. 
Best hair, just general hair. Now, okay. this is not even a character, because I don't mean his character in Jojo Rabbit. I just mean Taika Waititi has the best hair. Just his hair. I'm just general, so, as a human being. I am so damn jealous of his it. hair. And I remember you being jealous of somebody's hair at one point. If we get to Al Pacino's age, <laughs> and we're able to have those luscious flowing locks naturally off our I head, don't have them now. I wouldn't cut it either. We, I would just let look, that thing go. We don't have no, them now. No offense. of course not. And a close second would be... Charlie's Banks from Bombshell. Charlie's Banks yeah. or Charlie's Banks? Banks with a K because oh, okay. it's Elizabeth Banks, you see, Mike. We're doing a hair category, so the dad jokes were <laughs> Well, yeah, fine. she was cut, they. She looks like Elizabeth Banks with the hair and the head. You've seen the movie now, and you still think this? Like, like up close. You've seen the movie on a big screen, and you still... Here's the trade that gets to happen. Because Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is dead at the Oscars... And I was so right about you bombshell and hair and makeup. To, I get to say whatever I want about bombshell's hair and makeup. You have to do that <laughs> dance with the knees from the commercial, the Super Bowl commercial. Right. Exactly. All over the makeup and hair category. <laughs> this is my category. I own this category now. Biggest disappointment of the year. The Cinema Guys at the Cinema Guys nominated these Love those guys. five. And the Cinema Yes, these five movies. Glass. It Chapter 2, Gemini Man, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, and MIB International. I learned something about myself in reviewing this category hmm. in that I tend to not see movies that come off as just massive disappointments right out of the gate because I had every intention of seeing Glass and it got tepid reviews. I had every intention of seeing Gemini Man, especially because the trailers look so great. And it, it, right. once the reviews came in, I was like, I'm not going to bother. So I, I, I've never had an intention of seeing MIB well, International. Truly, I did not see Gemini Man or Jay and Silent Bob. Jay and Silent Bob played, played in theaters yeah, for like a day. It just yeah. came out on demand. I was right. curious to buy it. I'll but... probably see it in the next couple of days now right. that it's V. OD right now but you know there's for biggest disappointment you're kind of picking hairs glass at least made a lot of money it made more than five exits budget jay and silent bob was what it was proposing to be it was a lowbrow comedy ensemble gemini man a true disappointment but it chapter two and a runaway for me is it's the biggest a, disappointment of the year absolutely a runaway for me too even though it had some goods yeah it did to deliver that was cool like i, I like a portion of that film but it, overall the composition was a major disappointment and then again bill Hader's really good in it and pennywise is Still cool yeah, but the Bill Hader thing was what kind of heightened the disappointment, the fall off, because we're going yeah. into this off a great adaptation of Chapter One. We have this amazing cast, we have a bigger budget, and we have added to it out of nowhere this Bill Hader Oscar buzz in the weeks leading up to it. And then what do we end up with? Statue Paul Bunyan and an insane plot, even for an evil spirit clown. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I also choose it Chapter Two now. At the beginning of last year, I was about to, you know, submit to you, but it was too close on the Oscars, mm -hmm. an M. Night Shyamalan rewatch series. We didn't do that, again, because of proximity. This came out in January last year, but I was all ready to do that. If we had, then Glass would have been, by far, the most disappointing movie for me. You think was, so? Even going awful. out of, like, The Village and Lady in the Water and stuff? Yeah, The Glass is just a really bad movie. I'm yeah. going to have more on that a little later. All right. MIB International is awful. I've reviewed it already. But we expected it to we be awful. We expected it to be awful. <laughs> when we saw the first trailer for that, I think our both words were, Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really, really yeah. awful. All right, costume design, Michael. We both have the same winner. Hashtag justice for Ruth E. Yeah, How is she is not nominated at the Oscars? This is a travesty. It's ridiculous. Dolomite is my name. Showcased her work. Uh, 
within the framework of the screenplay, never mind the actual editing of the film. It's and the it's terrific. Only costumes on screen this year that I actually was commenting on out loud because yes. I couldn't help myself. I'm like, oh my God, where do you find these patterns? They got that category pretty wrong Absolutely. at the Oscars this year. Uh, Cinema Joe's podcast, Mike, at Cinema Joe's, J O E S. They say contemporary costume design, you know, and split from period slash fantasy. Mm -hmm. Marriage Story, Knives Out, Book Smart, Hustlers, and Uncut Gems, contemporary costume design. Here's my stance. Mm -hmm. It's unfair to have Hustlers in this category with all those other movies, right? Because those are accenting the clothing that is on people, and Hustlers, by the design of the characters, has to accentuate the lack of clothing, and they're allowed to get away with more flamboyant outfits. So I think it's Hustlers... In a landslide, if it's concluded here. So there's a performance within the performance. Now that being said, you know, knives out. I mean, you you, you got some yeah, wild get ups I mean, you in got, there. Yeah, book smart. You got some wild get ups. Sure, I don't disagree with any of that. You got some Halloween going on at Marriage Story. They're better than our Halloween, I would say. It was good costumes. Can't wait for Halloween Kills this year. That's all I'm thinking about. <laughs> I also pick Hustlers. It's so tough it's, not to. That's a good category. All right, the next category, Mike, is going to be preceded by two. Winners or declarations, let's just yeah, say. This by, is like when the, the presenters get out on stage and they yes. just run through the shorts. And yeah, and people de de declared some winners mm -hmm. this year, so we're going to go with that Love as that. well. Swamp Thing at Wojciech Weischer, he said the most unnecessary return from beyond the grave goes to Palpatine in The Rise of Skywalker. Makes a whole lot of sense to me. Agreed. <laughs> the next declaration he makes is the biggest WTF award <laughs> yeah. goes to Cats. So... Yes, <laughs> just in general, Wojciech is uh, absolutely 100% right, as he usually is, and you're helping us out with these things, but I'll be even more specific. I knew nothing about the play or movie Cats, right. other than it was a disaster, uh -huh. going into my viewing of it. When Dame Judi Dench, in all her experience and expertise, is yelling at me <laughs> that I need to bend the knee every time there's a feline, like, as a dog person, I was basically telling this legend of screen and stage to go F herself out loud, like, screw you! <laughs> that entire film, just about, is just <laughs> introducing new cats and saying why it's fun and kooky to be a cat. All those they cats just, that's all they do. Sing about that. Are perverts. <laughs> they are all perverts. <laughs> they are disgusting. I would agree. They're, they're animals. All of them. All right. The best animal in the film award. All those cats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brandy from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The bear in the cage from Midsommar. The seagull from The Lighthouse. That's a tough category. This is tougher than you'd think, because the seagull in the lighthouse... I I'm getting rid of the bear in the cage, even though, I guess for the movie it makes him... Uh, I, I the guess bear I like that. skin is utilized well, I, more right. than so, the bear. Yeah, I don't want to spoil right. these Well, movies. I mean, it's I don't a, think it's, it's, a, it's a hint. No. We have to go with the same answer, though, correct? I don't see how not. And it's a credit to the rightful Best Director winner of this year, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino, how he's able to make feeding a dog for 20 minutes one of the most cinematically uh, satisfying experiences in, on the year. But We both would die for that dog. Of course we would. Mm -hmm. And you could even throw in, I mean, I know you saw on the Disney Plus... Um, Togo. Yeah. Togo, thank you. I could not think of it to save my life there. But it was a decent year for animal movies that don't upset me. Uh, when was the Benji remake? That was last year, I think. I think Benji was last year. Art of Racing in the Rain was also this year. I though. didn't see that one. I can't see that. I refuse out of principle. I mean, they're trying to lie to us that dogs die and then they come back again, I, I think. I know something happens to that or dog. No, that's a dog's purpose, too, or a dog's journey. I will not see any I of can't. those. I can't see those, just physically. <laughs> 
I get Because that's like a rock bottom moment that you're heading for towards, right? You are spiraling towards the rock bottom moment where Kevin Costner's voiceover narration <laughs> will make you sob cry in a movie theater at three o'clock on a Saturday while you're single <laughs> up to your eyes in chocolate wrappers and diet soda. I have a list of hundreds of people I know personally that I am more willing to lose than I am a fictitious portrayal of a dog in a movie that may not even be real. I agree with you. I agree with you. I can't do those movies either. However, right. a well-reviewed dog movie, Right. I'm in for that. Same here. Give me a Homeward Bound. <laughs> yes. Production design, again, I think we have the same answer here as well. All credit in the world to 1917, which is probably going to win this at the Oscars probably. now. And we were early on that and said this is worth 1917 is totally worthy of claim. All all credit in the world to Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, making that shooting that at Mr. Rogers Station in the studio, using it. All credit in the world to the two popes for for remaking Strong, those. Yeah. You know, but Quentin Tarantino shut down Hollywood Boulevard for four nights. Yep. I've worked in government. <laughs> like, the paperwork. That poor man or his secretaries or interns so, Sony, or whoever yeah. Yeah. had to go through just to start that process. Never mind zoning permits and all this other garbage, the red tape that he'd had to have jumped through. It's mind-boggling that he got this done. I agree with you. It has to be the winner. You can't transform modern day into that much of a period piece, and, and just it just it, the way he films it too helps. Like to to be hundred percent the cool Robert ass Richardson, yeah. montage, yeah, Robert Richardson with all the crane shooting. It's it really is gorgeous. Shout out to Midsommar as a horror yes. movie production design. Knives Out was a really cool yes, house. Was. Little Women uh, and Downton Abbey in terms of you know period film, gorgeous. Yep. And you have it written down here. I give Star Wars a nod too. Good I would agree. Job. Star yeah. Wars and Avengers Endgame and and Toy Story four. If it want, if production design could be given to an animated <laughs> right, film, yeah. I agree. A lot of good. Production high, good year for production design. I I, I co-sign that. Totally agree. Ben Miller at Neb is Ben Hall of Famer from Six Degrees of Long lost buddy of ours. Haven't seen him in a while. He goes the second annual. Yeah. V Vicky Crepes. Why the hell isn't this person winning Gobs of Awards Award? I love it. I love that we have a repeat award from a listener, too. That really tickles my fancy. And you have the Lupita! answer for both of us. Again, you have it has to be Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, yeah, it has to be Lupita Nyong'o. I would throw Octavia Spencer from Loose in there, too, because at least Lupita won critic circles. Right. Octavia Spencer was never considered for the supporting actress. And anymore. I'm glad you had a backup, because Lupita has won a bunch of critic right. circles awards, so maybe she doesn't count. So I'm going to throw in as my backup the cast of Wicked. Waves, because yeah. I do think they've been criminally overlooked this award season. I, I don't understand how these things happen. It, it, it's got to be a hive mind thing, right? Or is it just all the the marketing and the campaign push from the studio that's behind it? You know, Eric Weber had some good insight yeah, on this. Talking about that the other day. I, I think it's a case-by-case -case basis to a degree, because he had some thoughts on Neon and then on A24, which was interesting. There were some nice distinctions made there. I think in the terms of, of Waves, there was definitely some blowback to the plot. That has to do with why it wasn't showcased by the end of it. Yeah, I, I think definitely that played a big role in it. And I would also underscore something we've talked about, unfortunately. Everybody in the world loves A24, Get your stuff together and enter this awards conversation, please. Mm, I, I, I'm an A24 stan. Yeah, I like same here, man. We I all like love it. They're they're niche movies. However, I do think it's kind of cool that they're going for the the niches 
or the niches. We'll see if that keeps up. I mean, they yeah. were they were purchasing some more niche stuff at Sundance, not to this past week. Very so. true. And they got you know the first quarter. They got some awesome yeah. niche films that we're going to review. Cinematography, Michael. I think we both have the same answer once again. It has to be Roger Deakins. I, yeah, I mean, this is from 1917. Yeah, this is one we can agree with Academy and Lockstep, and it yeah. should be a runaway. You know, you can give your. I, I was impressed with what they did with Joker. I was impressed with Us as well. I think horror movies, aside from the acting getting a bad rap, the way they're shot is really stellar, and the score that each of them get kind of get infused with. Yes, it's nice to see them Joker getting kind of the the shine for it this year. But I, Us in there, Midsommar in there, like you mentioned already, horror movies just in general, I think, are, are really shot incredibly well. Again, I gotta mention Waves, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Shame that movie never caught on. Gorgeous yeah. looking, and the score for that one, too. Monos, just up on the mountains I there. I haven't seen that one yet, I want to. The Harriet cinematography was fantastic. Hustlers, Two Popes, you know, with all that smut on that ceiling of theirs. <laughs> <laughs> That's the religious term. And Jojo Rabbit. I mean, it's not like cool to say Jojo Rabbit here. I really love the cinematography. Yeah, I got no problem with that. Okay, a couple more declarations, Michael. Yes. Mark Burgundy at the One Hanson declares Ari Aster for the My Head is Still Messed Up Months Later Award for Midsommar. I like that because there's usually one film a year we routinely bring up and talk about how we can't stop thinking about it. The or Mind F about Award, it I think out we of surprise. Yeah. A couple of years ago, or maybe it was last year, I can't remember at this point, but can you ever forgive me? Really gnawed at me oh, really? after I was done watching it. This year, Loose has continually gnawed yeah. at me after I was done watching it. I don't, I, you know, it doesn't. F my mind up in the way Midsommar does, so I, I think Mark Burgundy is right, and good job by him there. But I, I would throw my two cents in there. I think Loose would be my answer. Now, with me, you have more restraint than me, but when, when I have a movie that gnaws at me, I watch it six times in, like, a week. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. I truly, I'm envious. This isn't for show. I wish I could do that. I want to be able to do that, to get it out of my system. I do that, and I get, get it out of my system. And then, here's the thing, like, I'm going to see Little Women soon. Yeah. And I'm going to probably see it like two or three more times in a row. I just have to do that. Like, I watched The Farewell twice. I watched a couple of these. Irishman and Marriage Story again. I do this. I'm weird. Your record of watching the... You have to have watched The Irishman through completion more than any human. Six, more than Scorsese. Well, six times. Yeah. That's that's a day. You're going to be on your deathbed, and they're going to be like, what were your big accomplishments? And you're like, I spent a day watching Here's the what I tell myself now. Did you put that one off, that recording on me? couple days in a row because you were sick or something happened or... i'm sure probably if that me. happened then i rationalize this is my is your enabling I see, me. So you just again passing the and buck i rationalize uh -huh. the fact well i might as well keep it fresh in my brain another day and watch it another just in night. case you forgot it after that fifth instead viewing instead of going out and socializing <laughs> stay home i better make sure i get that sixth one in under the wire all right, declaration number two from Mark Burgundy. Robert Eggers for the I Hate Seagulls Even More Now Award for The Lighthouse. I still have not seen the entire Lighthouse movie, and that's I should be shunned for that and, and thrown from you'll this like profession. Movie. I've yeah, seen parts. Like I get it. <laughs> I could see Seagulls having a, a big spot in people's mind after that movie from what it looks like. We framed an entire six degrees of MMO about it, and we are, are having fun reading those submissions. MMOW coming eventually, folks. At some point. Keanu Reeves for the Keanu Reevesing the shit out of John Wick Award. <laughs> There's no better Act One of 2019 than Act One of John Wick Chapter Three Parabellum. Oh, that's that, that's my probably award. Act One Award. That's a great Act One. That is a that first. Is a, that is a hot, very very good Act One. I agree. Twenty twenty five thirty minutes. It's awesome. 
My question is, when do we get, I know we're getting Bill and Ted, it's nice to see Keanu showing up in all <laughs> these rom-coms as well. We John Wick is going to be a franchise that goes on for hopefully many more iterations and sequels. When do we get the pairing of, of Keanu and Nick Cage? Just make it a fucking documentary. Just put a camera on those two men in the same right, place. Well, listen, I mean, I think Keanu is out Nick Caging Nick Cage in terms of the cameos. And he's almost, I mean, he I is. Agree. I hey, agree. That cameo and always be my maybe. Yeah. Is Matt Damon from Thor? Euro Trip. Or Euro <laughs> doesn't know what Scotty doesn't. Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. Would you like to know every word of that song? Because I know it. <laughs> In 2020. <laughs> it's Scotty doesn't know level of cameos. Can you imagine? Oh, it's a great song. It's a great song. You know, he doesn't get enough credit. I thought we were going four with that. He doesn't get enough credit for the pop-up cameos that he's done in his career. That's a great call by He's you. got another cameo coming out in SpongeBob movies. Just a <laughs> freaking tumbleweed. What You're the? Right. He's, he's, You're right. He's out Nick Caging or out Matt Damoning those two guys. Yeah, but you see my desire to see them together then. Just put, a ca- put them in a room with a camera for 90 minutes... Here's your Oscar. <laughs> Sound editing. This is where the some transitions just don't work, guys. <laughs> I just didn't know where else to put this. Sound editing and sound mixing. My aforementioned Keanu Reeves Nick Cage movie. <laughs> That's the winner. The sound effects award. For me, it's Ford v. Ferrari. I think I give them both to Star Wars, man. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, and I just think I, if there's a Star Wars movie, I would credit them because... Again, I have nothing to base this on other than my assumption and presumptions, but in my mind. Right. Like, to make up all the little sounds that must go into getting a Star Wars movie done, regardless of how it comes off, because we weren't high on it, it's still a Star Wars movie. Right. (laughs) That runs on all these... You know? (laughs) Maybe not the second to last one. The penultimate sound effect, maybe not. Although it would be funny. Maybe Ryan Johnson. Is this going to be the second episode in a row we get a Michael Winslow reference just off the cuff, naturally in conversation? Michael Winslow would be proud of your choice right there. All right, from Nolan Roberts at Nolan Roberts 17 he says the Oh Yeah, That Came Out Award. This is a good award, and I honestly forgot the My Pick came out. His nominations were Charlie's Angels, Dark Phoenix, Hellboy, Pet Cemetery, and Terminator Dark Fate. I have an unfortunate pick here, and it's Charlie's Angels, yeah, because sad. I forgot that, that movie came out. I've seen the other four. Yeah. And I, I wanted to see the other four, and I forgot Charlie's Angels came out, and I, I would have sought it out, but I forgot about it. So sad, too, what, what we were hoping that movie would be and how it would be yeah. received and it how didn't it work. was received. It didn't work, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't see it. I didn't either. My, uh, my pick's Hellboy, because we did a whole setup to that. We There's did some... a, a show yeah. for well, the old Hellboy. We punted on Hellboy. <laughs> so hard. So hard. <laughs> we did that show for a reason. There was like a lot of this conflagration, that's not a word, of elements going on in the zeitgeist. It was about to be David Harbour's big moment. He was hosting SNL. Stranger Things trailer had just yeah. dropped. He was going to finally be a leading man and break out. Fart noise. We didn't just punt on it. We JV punted on this award. <laughs> because in a, in a JV punt scenario where you don't have experienced kids blocking for you i should know of a jb right coach. sometimes that punter and the varsity punter if he does come down he gets that snap and then he's like <laughs> i see god in this chilies tonight <laughs> punt it as quick as you can get it out there 10 15 yard punt that's a good transition of field position for jv punting 
Nobody cares. Good to know. Let's move on to Nolan Roberts. That was Hellboy, the review of Hellboy. <laughs> Nolan Roberts is the Chris Award. So also a classic. Second award. His nominees are Chris Evans from Avengers Endgame and Knives Out. Chris Hemsworth from Avengers Endgame and MIB International. Mm-hmm. Chris Plummer from Knives Out. Chris Pratt from Lego Movie 2. And Chris Rock from Dolomite Is My Name. I was shocked that Chris Pratt doesn't have a big resume this year. You could throw Endgame in there. He True. does have some lines. I would also add Chris Rock's appearance from the Eddie Murphy funny. SNL opening monologue. Okay, yeah. And he was funny there. in Dolomite, too. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was. Um, I think Evans was the big winner this year. I me. think you're right. I think Chris Evans uh, has the, with the two combined yeah. is absolutely the winner. And I underlined Chris Hemsworth because of his Thor performance is so damn good. <laughs> it is very. But good. then again, his MIB International might be so damn bad. It is very bad. Yeah. That it might cancel it out. So I think you're in. I'm going to go with your answer. You're Chris going Evans. to adjust. All right. Good. 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 So that'll be uh, that's Chris Evans for the win there. How about funniest unintentional comedy? We have Cats, The Good Liar, Breakthrough. Brightburn and Glass, Michael. I want to say Breakthrough, but I'm going to offend a lot of religious people, which I'll be honest with you. Breakthrough wasn't a terrible film. You watched it? I watched it because it's nominated for an effing Oscar, Mike. In what? In original song. No, no. Get it out of here. That's a Diane Warren one. I'm sorry. I I should have remembered that. And it's really funny. That the song is called We Stand With You, when it's all about a few kids standing too close to one another on the ice. falling through ice. And because they stood with one another, they fell through the ice. I guess because We Float With You would have been a song from It Chapter 2. Just stand separately. (laughs) Don't listen to the goddamn song. Oh, my God. And you'll be fine. I did not know the Diane Warren song was from Breakthrough. I had to look up what Breakthrough is. It's not a great movie. The, the problem with movies like that is it ends with one big speech. Like they're they're get, it ends with like a ten minute speech. I don't want the ten minute speech to end the movie. We just talked about how you get you shell up when somebody's yelling at your face for that long. So true. You, yeah, you can't. Yeah, I understand that. Brightburn is really funny. It's stupid. It is stupid. I agree. It, it's really <laughs> fucking stupid. The Good Liar I watched last night and it is stupid. It, they make him just in case you don't know. We have the worst character ever at the end of the movie. He's the evilest. <laughs> we got to get him back. And it, when you do that to me at the end of the movie and you do a, by the way, yeah. a BTW, oh, here's this whole other storyline, and this is just to make them bad. Right. And then we're going to get to wrap it up to make sure that you oh, know he's the bad up, guy. He's so bad. And we're going to give him this really bad ending. Remember when that movie was legitimate Oscars fodder for like experts in the yeah. industry? It was on their top fives. A top. Yeah. Gold Derby. Yeah, Gold Derby. Fives. Without calling out anybody specific, no, we're not specific call anybody. but they yeah. had those two performances Both in the leading categories. Both of them were head and shoulders above <laughs> the rest. Now, here's the thing with Cats. Cats was very boring for most of the movie. It wasn't that funny until the end. Yeah, it wasn't unintentional comedy. I would classify it as unintentional horror. Breakthrough... I'm going to piss off people saying this, but... Mm-hmm. Do it. It looks incredibly irresponsible. The basis of what is going on in that movie could lead to some... If anybody puts any stock well, in those characters' decisions. No, I mean, it's it's about heroic medical personnel. Well, that's not well. the trailer. I only watched the trailer. I have not right. seen it. And the trailer does not give that impression. It seems very much faith-based. Yes, it and is. Your fate and your prayers are answered by a higher power than medicine. No, I mean, medicine has a lot to do with it. Okay, let's just good, say. Good. I mean, you can make a rash. But it, what happened to the kid in real life... Right. 
is something that science is not explaining. So sure. I guess if you're going to make one of those movies and you want to leave it open, open-ended and you want that interpretation, right. this is one of the movies where I can see it. You know, I could see you doing that, and, I, and I'm not upset with them for doing that. I'll be honest with good, you. Good, good. I'm glad they pull it movies. off. I grew up in the And church. you would know better than I would. I've seen a lot of those movies, but and this one annoyed me the least. The problem is just bad structural film. Follow-up question. Why are we talking this well, long about well, Breaking? Well, last, last question. All right. What the fuck is Topher Grace doing? What is he doing? He plays the biggest jerk <laughs> Pastor, like I cannot believe, like pastors. Every pastor I've ever known, it just goes over and above to could be at least diplomatic in right. what he says. He's not just going to be an over dick, an out and out just scummy person. Topher Grace comes in this movie and plays the ham or plays the heel right from the beginning. Why and is he I am here? Like, what is he doing? It just makes no sense. His last two roles that he chose, yeah were Dick Pastor and David Duke. Mike, he might as well be a police commissioner from a 1980s buddy cop action film. We gotta get you off the force, McCluskey. You're causing too much damage. That's what he is. At the Again, I can't believe we're going this long on Breakthrough. In this we might have to rename this award show. This is just the, the Breakthrough Awards. The Breakthrough Awards. Awards. All right. Glass is my pick because of Bruce... <laughs> Willis's grunting in that scene. It's as funny as John Lithgow's grunting was creepy. In oh, no. show. <laughs> I'm going to stand by Breakthrough, even though I didn't see it, because that looked awful. <laughs> I'm sorry, Diane Warren. Foreign language film, Michael, or best yeah. international feature, as it is now called. My pick is Parasite, honorable mentions, Monos, and something I haven't mentioned yet, Transit. Transit is a really good movie on Amazon Prime right now. It's a romantic film. It's like a Casablanca-level romance. It's really terrific. All right, good to know. I'll have to check that out. I usually get to my most of my international Me films too. after the Oscars just because of the timing. Like, thing. the biggest hole in our resumes, let's be honest. Yes, yeah. Portrait, Portrait of Lady, Lady on, on Fire, fire. by far. Without it's question. the biggest hole. We missed our chances yep. to see it, and now it's, poof, it's gone, and we're going we're gonna to make time for it, at least on the schedule we have, for the Valentine's Day. Yeah, and I think yeah. I think that's, that, that's something we're shooting for. So, uh, I won't say Parasite. I'm not going to give it even that much of a declaration and stay in the sun because it's, you know, a bad last 30 minutes. That's what <laughs> anyone says. Sorry, Bong Joon-ho. Um, I will say Pain and Glory, and I will say The Farewell as well. I think sure. Pain and Glory is not an easy watch. I think The Farewell is, is easier. It's not. It has its moments as well, but I, I think either one of those is, would make a fine winner in any year. Yeah, and shout out, to, uh, shout out to Atlantics. Yeah, I have to see that. I know it's right there on Netflix. I want to see it. Declaration now from Simon the Depressed Moviegoer at Depressed Movie. He says Jack Loden for the It's Real to Me Damn It Award. Do you know what that is a reference to? No. There is a famous video from mm-hmm. like E-Bomb World Days, E-Bomb's World Days, where a bunch of old-timey wrestlers, Terry Funk, I think, included, is sitting there having a meet-and-greet with fans. Right. And there is a, a large fan about my size takes a microphone and starts asking a question and he just gets overcome with emotion. He just wants to thank these men for what they've done in his life, giving wow. him so much joy. And he just breaks down and just shouts at them, it's still real to me, damn it! So that's that's the award we're presenting. That's the award we're presenting. I'm glad you put that into context. And now I'm very afraid. I'm very afraid of you. Very afraid of Jack Loden. Yeah. I'm very afraid of Simon the Depressed Moviegoer. But, all right. 
Jack Loden gets it here for making him cry about a damn wrestling movie and fighting with my family. Fighting with my family? I would have said the Peanut Butter Falcon because my question to you when we talked about the Peanut Butter Falcon is how the hell does that work? That moment in that movie, without giving it away, I don't know why I'm so willing to accept it, because it is ridiculous. Thomas Hayden Church pulling it off. He's a great former wrestler, and Zach uh, Gotts, yeah. uh, just, uh, Gotts Hagen, excuse me, great performance by him, and Shia LaBeouf really selling it. I, I would agree, that's a great, uh, it's real to me, comma, yeah. I should have pronounced it that way before. <laughs> but I'll be honest with you, fighting with my family, and we reviewed this, this it was our great. first OSP on the year, we yeah. thought it would get more traction. That moment there at the end with him, it did make me tear up, and I think I said that on my on my review. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was I was hamstrung by being such an ardent wrestling fan right. and knowing that probably I got issues with how it was presented in the movie. Story wise, yeah, it was a really really emotionally compelling. Another terrible transition now into film editing, Mike. We both have the same answer. Do we? What's your answer? Once upon a time in Hollywood. Is it really for editing? I love the montage in that film. I love it a lot. I, I think it should have been nominated. That's interesting. I always said I thought Hollywood was the easiest to kick out of that editing category. Okay, that's right. You did always say that. I kind of want to give the shine to Hustlers just because it's also very montage heavy. Yeah. It's not easy to go in and out of the places they are going in and Good out pick. of. Good pick. I like that pick. I, I think that's where I'll stand. I'll put my, my, stick my flag in Hustlers. <laughs> I like. That came out terribly. That came out bad. <laughs> I like Jojo Rabbit's editing. Yeah, I said that from the start. Knives Out was cool. Avengers Endgame. Bunch. Oh, Parasite great. probably going to win this, we think? I don't know. Ford v. Ferrari might get all the technicals. I don't know. I don't know either. We Stay gotta, tuned. We'll see. we got to figure that out quick. We sure do, Mike. <laughs> Dark Nook at Dark Nook Shop. He says, the best rebooted movie in 2019 with a gender flip female lead. Nominees are yeah. Terminator Dark Fate, What Men Want, the Hustle, which was a remake of Bedtime Story from 1964. Had to look that up. Yeah. Charlie's Angels, Men in Black International, and Black Christmas. I saw none of these. I saw one, and it's Terminator Dark Fake, so I have to pick that. That'll so this be terrible, my choice by default. Terrible job by us. <laughs> terrible job. Well, here's my, my two cents of what I will add in. What men want, and I would argue The Hustle, and probably Men in Black International as yeah. well, Nobody asked for those. <laughs> like, nobody was clamoring for those remakes or those yes. sequels or adaptations. I'm sorry. We're up to our eyes in Oscar films, yeah. typically in the, you know, the late I do want to see Black Christmas. I wanted to see Black Christmas. Yeah. That's what I, I will say. I will and then we were up to our eyes in rewatch series. We did three rewatch series this year, including the monstrous Pixar rewatch. Oh, we got another one coming. We got another one coming. <laughs> but Charlie's Angels was one of those, like, right in the smack of right. the summer we, we couldn't get to. Just missed it. Yeah, just missed it. All right, actor in a supporting role. Michael, you want to start us off with your yeah. five? So I, I think my number five is something I've, I've pounded the table and I've said it's criminally underrated. There are three Oscar-worthy performances in this. I had to snub Kathy Bates. I'm not going to snub Sam Rockwell. He's my number five. Joe Pesci, again, I know I'm in the minority. I know a lot of people have him as the highest supporting character from The Irishman. He is my number four. I have him as the second of the two there. Wesley Snipes, goddammit. Dolomite is my name is my number three. Yeah. Can't stop thinking about him or that performance. Pacino two, Brad Pitt, number one. All right. I think the Academy actually got this one wrong this year. 
Although I, I have two nominees, from you're not the, alone. Yeah, from the Academy Five. And remember when I said that I kind of alternate on who's better? Yeah, Pacino or Pesci. Well, I'm going back to Pesci now. <laughs> All right. Pesci's my number five from The Irishman. Brad Pitt is actually my number four. All right, and but he still made your five. He's in my five. Yeah. Sterling K. Brown is my number three from Waves. He's, I thought he was terrific. He's got to, I mean, what are we doing? If been, we're not propelling him to some kind of awards caliber stuff. I have been hyping him up yeah. for a while. And again, he the way he deals with teenagers in that movie, the good, the bad of it, I, I just thought he was he was awesome. You know uh, what it is? He's got to start taking his shirt off more. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's got babs for days. Why not, you know, show those? On rooftops. Why not? Yeah. That's what wins Oscars. You can like name him. the movie that and I'll go see it. <laughs> Sterling Brett K. Brown, abs on a rooftop. Shia LaBeouf <laughs> is my number two from Honey Boy. Because of how he emoted and how he expended himself in, yeah. the, in the bathroom oh, no. of that movie. Which is a daily occurrence for you and I. I'm surprised, more seriously, you didn't have him number one. You have been very, very high on him all year long in this category. I rewatched The Lighthouse. Ah, there you go. And Willem Dafoe is my number one in a runaway. I can't believe the Florida Project Willem Dafoe gets nominated. At Eternity's yeah. Gate, Willem Dafoe gets nominated. And you get him taking the seaman. Going off the deep The end. pirate from The Simpsons, as you've put it. <laughs> the most cliched, silly nonsense man in the history of storytelling and making him one of the best characters of this year in film, giving him the greatest tell-off speech in the history of black and white movies about semen. Willem Dafoe's (laughs) Hark speech is an all-time great scene. He deserves this award this year and should be up for Oscars. America! I just wanted a flag waving in behind you while you were... That sounded like that was a great campaign speech by you. I I love love it. it. Passionate. Ryan L. Terry also asked us to tab the best supporting actor in a horror movie, Michael, and I just went on a rant about Willem Dafoe. (laughs) And yes, I do believe The Lighthouse is a horror movie, people. So he is my number This is why we have the MMOs. So actors like and performances like Willem Dafoe's in Lighthouse can be the one that go... They have to talk to all the reporters yeah. with all their Mike, Mike, and Oscars awards in their hands that they've won from these, <laughs> this show. They should be forced to carry all their awards, their trophies, right. at once while they're interviewed. That I agree. Great. I agree. That's all we want from this. That's part also, of the, the trophies shouldn't be one thing. They should just be different things that are specific to that actor. Like one's a seagull, trophies. one's his cutoff ear from At Eternity's Gate. <laughs> I want senior year athletic banquet size trophies. <laughs> I want a kind of trophy that makes you think Giant. you achieved all in your athletics days. And it's know, just a burden to them for winning. For Nobody rest. wants to win. There's not enough space in your parents' <laughs> we gotta attic. we got wheelbarrow these things off the stage. <laughs> that kind of trophy. Please, God, pick anyone else. Um, There's for- poor Renee Zellweger holding, <laughs> like, deadlifting three at once. <laughs> Renee, you look jacked today. I have to be. I went to the Mike Mike and Oscars. Uh, I will give it to Winston Duke because I think he did a great facsimile of Jordan Peele. He but I awesome. also really... Res- Us is underrated across the board, man. True. Us kind of got screwed this award season. I truly, truly believe that. couple great performances 
in the lead roles, obviously, also in the supporting roles, also in the cinematography, etc. Wanted to give shout outs too to Jack Rayner as well, the boyfriend from Midsommar. I think he did a great oh, yeah. job in getting the viewer emotionally invested into his plight. Very true. And I guess my runner up would have been Bill Hader. Yeah. From, uh, it Chapter Two. I'm so dis- I got so excited when I heard that Oscars push for him. Yeah, I was fun. so hopeful. That was fun for a while there. Okay, Mike. Animated feature film. Do we both have the same we winner? We Toy do. Story Four. No reason that movie should have been as good as it is. Why do people not want to pick it right now? Like, listen, Claws is fine. Claws does not come close. No, it doesn't. Not close. Seriously, I think it might be something that people are too emotionally invested into previous Toy Stories. Because I've noticed pretty much every time I'm looking at people talking about this category, talking about Toy Story 4 online at least, they always bring up the previous... Well, it wasn't as good as 3, or I really, really like... I've seen people say they really like 2. I thought 2 was... Two wasn't even supposed to be part of this franchise. When we sure. talked about that in our Pixar rewatch, series, yes. go seek out that episode. But I've seen people bring up other Toy Stories. So I don't know if it's like a nostalgia thing and they just can't get over it. But I think if you go into this with a clear mind and objective, you got a great movie here in Toy Story 4. I, I thought it was one of the more polished films of the year. Same. I, it should have been up in other categories as well. Agree? I, I'm upset. Uh, and I think Claws is just kind of that movie that they, they want to give something too because it's not pixar is Could that where we're be, at which does i mean they're just bored of rewarding pixar and like pixar sorry pete sequels? doctor for being so good at what you do it's ridiculous that middle of that movie is preposterous in claws you have gangs of new york animated <laughs> rated g and you have a mailman caught in between them and we just we have we have all these other interesting characters right and we give the movie to the 25-year-old white guy for no reason. It is Hollywood, we have baby. effing Santa Claus in that movie. We have a, the, the, one of the teachers, the female teacher in love interest. She teaches, but she's also like the, the fisherman's whatever. She sells fish. Right. And she's also like the referee between these feuding clans. <laughs> she's by far more interesting than that uh, idiot, the red-haired ginger <laughs> Whatever. Wow. From, <laughs> in the middle. I like gingers. But I'm just saying, I come from a family of gingers, but I use the word ginger. He is just in the middle of that movie for what reason? Moonwalking that part of your speech back aside. Claws sucked, and it's going to win the Oscar over Toy Story 4. I did not think the mm. soapboxes these award <laughs> shows were going to get you on was going to be... Willem Dafoe and Claws from Netflix. Breakthrough. I, I love it. I, abs- I literally, I echo everything you just said. I love it. I lost my body's better. Weathering yeah. with you's better. Frozen 2's better. How to Train Your Dragons How to Train better. Your Dragons better. Abominable's better. Missing Link is even better than Claws. How to Train Your Dragon is infinitely better than Claws. I mean, let me say that as well. I think How to Train Your Dragon is a close number two to Toy Story well, in this category. At, at me, at yeah. us. We want to talk about that one. All right. Now, this show could have been titled... The Mike, Mike, and Rosenbergs, because <laughs> Rob Rog- Rosenberg went over the top. He gave us so many categories, too many categories, but we're going to start awesome. getting his work in here. He is at Keepin, I-N underscore current on Twitter, and this first award is the best body of work, and I love this category because we have Adam Driver, great year, another year of Adam Driver, Yeah, Kelvin, Kelvin Harrison Jr. from Loose and Waves. 
Scarlett Johansson from Endgame, from Jojo Rabbit Marriage Story, Brad Pitt from Ad Astra, and of course that other little film that I, I name I forget, I guess. I hate you. Florence Pugh from uh, <laughs> uh, Little Women, Fighting With My Family. Am I forgetting a Florence Pugh role? Midsummer. Midsummer. Yeah, which is, yeah I'm going to have more to say about Florence Pugh. This if, is a tough one. If the period in this category was after the word body, mm. uh, the winners would be J-Lo and Brad Pitt. If mm. it was just best body, because they <laughs> set back time continually throughout best. this award season. All right, we, we're making up new categories on the fly. <laughs> best working body yes. is Brad Pitt and J-Lo. There's that meme going around of like J-Lo at 51, where she's from the Super Bowl halftime performance, okay. and then it's me at 35, and it's Danny DeVito from his wrestling role in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> it's the most accurate meme I've ever seen in my entire life. Very good. You send it to me. So that's, that's my input there. As far as the best body of work to actually answer this category, I love this category. What a category, and what picks what years for all You're stalling these nominations I'm just as i was no i, I mean i, I have an answer i think if driver was going to win the oscar i would it'd be hard to not give it to him because he's not i think pew deserves to win the oscar Damn. i'm gonna pick her based on my rankings i should pick florence pew based on my rankings right. of where she fits it's into the two to. categories however i underlined scarlett johansson because i think the third movie is slightly a, a better performance let's just say than fighting with my family but then again fighting with my family is a great performance you've defended scar joe's <clears throat> marriage story role hard a lot too you've I been really very like very high on it all year i long. really really like it go listen to our yeah. osp on that one and then listen to the addendum that mike recorded that was pretty cool too. <laughs> i don't you can pick a wrong i mean kelvin harrison might be my one c in this category if florence pugh is one a and driver is one b even adam driver in the dead don't die yeah, is really good right he, he had a terrific the report yeah sure my god i'm gonna go with scarlet joe you're gonna go with florence, florence pugh. pugh all right let's do the animated short films real quick michael. i again tap out of these you have seen all of these i have not so i leave the floor to you michael <laughs> best animated short hair love you by, were very high by a whisker over kitbull is that a Hair pun. You were very high on Kitbull. You said it was like the greatest animated short you ever seen. And then the next week, you came in here on the mic talking about hair love. I, I just was smitten. I'm in deep smit by those two <laughs> animated shorts. If they were up for in two separate years, they would easily win. The fact that they have to go against each other. And if anything else wins, <laughs> you will see the fire of a thousand suns. <laughs> Come down upon you, Twitter, film Twitter. Nothing else should win. These are the two, in my opinion. The emotional investment into certain categories we have this year. It was Best Picture for me until last weekend, and now it's like hair and makeup, animated short. We are keeping the undercard alive this year. I like cats now, after Kipple. I said this in our review. I thought you meant the movie at first, and I was like, what? And I almost want to have kids so that I can... Do my daughter's hair after hair love. <laughs> like that, that's adorable. That's just adorable. They both made me cry, God darn it. Yeah, I can't blame you. Great, great movies. Just period. Great movies. So we'll go from the happiness to probably the sadness. Actually, Walk Run Cha Cha is a happy oh, wow. documentary short film. That. Good. And I do have to pick it. Good, good for you. And you've seen all these. And you, I think I remember you saying the other four are kind of downers. Kind of downers. Learning to skateboard in a war zone if you're a girl is very, very good, but it's half downer and it's half uplifting. And okay. I really, really liked it. I would have picked it in any other year. But Walk, Run, Cha-Cha, adorable. Again, it's about a husband and wife, immigrants. They just learn to dance. It's really fun. We could only be so lucky. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, live action short film, Michael. A down year for live action shorts thus far. I did not quite see all of these yet. I probably have to go and see this presentation. I don't know where to find them. How are you going to do this with I all the work know, we have? With all the work we have. All right, look, The Neighbor's Window is probably the best made film I've seen so far. Brotherhood I just watched had some great shots in it. And Neft the Football Club, like I reviewed, has a really fun ending. So all three are worth watching. You can watch all three online. I'm going to probably have to go to the movies, though, to see the other two. All right. That's a good rundown. Don't say we don't watch everything, because at least one of us certainly does. I'm trying. I try to, and it just it doesn't happen. I'm addicted to, to love movies. Robert Palmer. No, to the adrenaline or whatever the science is, the psychology of watching movies. Dopamine. Kate, in the episode yeah. that we recorded for Ignorance Was Bliss that she'll eventually release, said that we were both functional, though, right? She came and did it. <laughs> Remember? When we were like, but I'm worried about my sanity because I watch too many movies. But, like, you know, you're doing this, you're doing that. You're functional with your... That's what you want to be. It's just a word that's got a pejorative connotation. And just put functional in front of it, and everything's fine. Kate, I think I lowballed it. I think I... <laughs> I think I undersold. Well, what's how many it mean about me that I'm jealous of your ability to do this? Yeah, I wish I could lose myself in movies more. The blind leaning the blind, <laughs> the infected. <laughs> Just a big 28 days later cosplay going on on this side of the microphone. All right, we need to move on. Nick at Nick Sindt. S-I-N-D-T. Yes. He makes a couple of declarations here. He says, the best movie seen by a dad whose kids and wife don't like scary movies, and I guess he saw this this year, Hereditary, and the runner-up is Us. I think if you can only see a couple horror movies a year, you're hitting pretty much the biggest ones of the last couple years there. Ari Aster, Jordan Peele, good job. Obviously, Joker sets the mark if it is a horror movie but for highest-grossing R-rated film Very of all true. time. But yeah, I think those are great selections. And Nick also makes a declaration about his favorite performance who's recently been snubbed by the Academy. And he says Tony Collette and therefore Lupita Nyong'o. I can't disagree with him. I would also put Paul Walter Hauser in there because I thought he should have been nominated for I, Tanya. I thought he was great totally. in the supporting role. And I thought he was great in the leading role for Richard Jewell this year. And look, we, we reached out to Paul to get him on the yeah. in, on MMO interviews because we love his, his gosh work. darn work yeah. so much. He's awesome. So that that was really cool that, that it actually was like you know him actually being willing to talk to us. We we can can't be thankful enough. Yeah, so that was really fun. Visual effects Michael another ham-handed segue by me here. I'm going with Alita Battle Angel. You just made a huge corner of film Twitter very happy. I just think you don't get close-ups of Computer animated people, mm. like front and center, 4K, in your face, and I am going to be 100% honest with you, I cannot tell if it's real or fake. I cannot, like, how is that computer? I've watched some behind-the-scenes stuff, how they do the dots all over the face and whatnot, and uh, they, like, do the split screen of how it looks in real time and right. how it shows up in the movie. It really is some fascinating stuff, and they seem to hit it dead on as far as facial movements go. To be fair, I had this movie on the other night because it just came on premium movie channels. Some of the action is, you know, obviously computer generated, right. but it's still very good. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I mean, it looks phenomenal. But they I, got, like, in sunlight close-up of Alita, and, and you don't know. And both of us have advocated for that to be in the Oscars field. We've been on that for a while. I mean, look, the film is what it is, but it looks very spectacular. And it's just a credit, especially up against these other... I know de-aging is different from VFX and whatever, but... You look at Alita, how they basically have to make a 
person, right. a being from computer, and then you look at the Irishman, it's not close. Ad Astra, Alita should be nominated in there. It's preposterous that the Irishman is in there. It's just absolutely preposterous. It's a campaign thing. It's it's a it's a clout thing. It's stupid. It's just downright stupid. That movie's laughably bad in terms of VFX. And then the other spot is kind of a coattails nom. Nineteen seventeen. Like, look, Star Wars. I get it. Fine. Nineteen seventeen. That that credit should be going to editing. There's not a ton of practical effects in that movie. It's yeah, there. That's. I mean, it's, it's one. Good. It's a show of strength, like we keep talking about. It's an Oscars puzzle type thing. And two, they needed a practical effects pick because they have one every year but in this is category. That better than the VFX from Ad Astra or Captain Marvel? Are you kidding? We me? say no, right? I mean, but it is what it is. I wanted to give Captain Marvel a shout out because I do think there are some spectacular moments of VFX in there as well, but. Look, the last act of Endgame, for me, could win any VFX award on right, its own, right. and it should, and that's my pick. Pretty terrific. I can't argue with you there. Moving on, we got another listener entry here. James Reed at J-I-M-B-O-C-C-P-A-S-F-186. It just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> Most underrated film of 2019. We're actually going to address this in our rankings, because part of our top 10 films is giving shine to the films we think are underrated, as far as the academy goes so stay tuned for that split acting he says between adaptation reality and originals and he has three declarations here yes. Saoirse Ronan is his best performance in an adaptation and then in a reality I guess a biopic he says Renee Zellweger and then in an original story he says Scarlett Johansson it's cool Tough to argue with those. I know we were. I'm, I'm not high on Scarlet as much as everyone else is, but we I would can say understand Lupita the merits. probably. Yeah, Lupita for, in original. for sure. Otherwise, uh, can't can't argue. I don't think I have any other biopics over Renee. I, I uh, Renee made my five. I, I mean, it just it wasn't a. You know, it was a she lesser year yeah. for lead actress. We've commented on that a bunch, but it's also just an underscore reason why. It's egregious that Lupita Nyong'o isn't in the category. All right. uh, this one's a great award, though. I, I love this award, and you have a very clear yeah. answer for it. The Film Twitter is Wrong Award. Parasite! <laughs> All right? Okay. Of course. Enough! And my answer is also probably not a surprise to people. My it's, it's Honeyland. <laughs> for, for the reason I just demonstrated. Um, I'll get more into Parasite in this next category, Mike. Original screenplay. We do give our five on these. What are your nominations? Okay, my number five is uh, Emily Halpern and Sarah Haskins for Booksmart. I thought that was a terrific I script. I so wanted to put that in, and I didn't. I loved it, and yeah. I, I wanted. I picked it for an Oscar, for Christ's sake. It is great. My number four is Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. Mm -hmm. My number three is Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Coward. I think his directing's better than his screenwriting in that one. That's just true. Wild. That's an interesting conversation. Anyway, Noah Baumbach's script in Marriage Story, even though it has highs and lows, I love the highs. I agree. It is the movie. And for me, the composition of Parasite is one of the stronger in, in the last couple of years. I just I, I buy the story. Mm. I really love the story. You're certainly not alone. And I think uh, Bong Joon Ho, Han Jin Wan, they they wrote the hell out of it. Well, look. I know Parasite has its fans. I've been on record saying it's not a terrible watch. Right. I didn't do a top five. I was going to do a top six. Oh, yeah. and I actually ended up doing a top 9,625. <laughs> because 9,625th on this list for original screenplay <laughs> is the final 30 minutes of Parasite. Okay. I laughed at 
my screen I was I was watching this on. Mm-hmm. I did not mean to. I laughed because it was that much of a... I can't stand those jumps and conclusions. It was character assassination to me. Wholeheartedly, I know I'm in the minority. I know you disagree. I know everyone does. You're all wrong. We all already went 15 rounds. This is like I Rocky can't. and Apollo <laughs> just like seeing each other on the street right now Mark, and the, just punching each other. So I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do the it. The conviction in my heart that everybody <laughs> is so wrong on this. <laughs> it's the <And> strongest. <laughs> but six, I did put Parasite's first 90 minutes. So there's your cookie, Parasite people. It's okay. right outside the top five for me. Mm-hmm. Uncut Gems was number five. I really admire what the Safi's That's doing. cool. I liked it. I've been on record multiple times. Nothing was more original to me in a screenplay sense being made out of whole whole cloth from nothing than us this yeah. year. Uh, put Jordan Peele right back in there. I Like You Have Knives Out. It's my number three. I Like You Have Marriage Story. It's my number two. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, no surprise, my number one. That is no surprise, and I'm, I thank you for the cookie. I always like cookies. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Tom Hanks Defense Force, Mike. At Tom Hanks Defense, with a C at the end of it, they came up with three of my favorite awards of this show. Good, right. Film that could have benefited the most from Tom Hanks is the first one. So you came up with the nominations. I came up okay. with the nominations. All right, so I am nominating It Chapter 2. I think it needed Tom Hanks. <laughs> if any movie did, certainly. John Wick Chapter 3, I would have loved Tom Hanks in that. So just to see him fight. At what point <laughs> do we get that turn? Because Hugh Grant just did it. Obviously, he's getting all kinds of publicity for it. People love his role in that in the new Guy Ritchie movie. We gotta hit this point soon where Tom Hanks goes dark for a movie, right? No. No, we, okay. It won't <laughs> happen. But this is wishful thinking that Tom Hanks. I mean, he wouldn't have such a defense force if he ever went dark in movies. It's true. I don't think that's like off brand for him. I mean, he's just stuck to his gun. You're not dad. <laughs> dark Phoenix is my number three here because that movie needed Tom Hanks so bad. It just needed somebody good. I, I'm in for that, my by the way. lowest grade of the history of our podcast, an F minus, went to Dark Phoenix. It's the worst movie I've seen since we started the show. I'm not defending the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was done very dirty by Disney. I don't care. I know you don't care, but this I just want that on record again. <laughs> mid-year argument. <laughs> See, we do this year-round, folks. We get into inane, ridiculous arguments. It was like a legitimate screaming match in one of the MMOWs, I think. I was proven right by how bad that movie was. False. Go ahead. Dumbo, <laughs> number four. Now, do you want him as an elephant? <laughs> He'd be pretty funny. He would be. He'd be great. Danny DeVito's in there, so... Oh, so you want him as the the ringmaster? I don't know what I'm as. He needed to be in there. And the death of Dick Long. Amazing pick. We've talked about this one. The preposterous nature of the story. (laughs) Again, this is like me wanting him in there just to see his reaction. I just want Tom Hanks to explain to me the ending of this movie. It would be the funniest thing in, in my lifetime. It'd be a good way of him subtly just adding another layer of this lore that he's got going on. Not only is he the nicest guy in the world, not only is he America's dad, but hey, by the way, he's got a huge dick. <laughs> <laughs> just want you all to know that. <laughs> so, uh, I don't want to think of my father in that way. I picked... Uh, ironically, I think the answer's not A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, I mean, He was good in that, though. He was fine, he was yeah. Uh, I, I, I picked X-Men. I think... Having Professor X as Tom Hanks would be, it might be tailor-made for him. I think the only realistic answer I could give is like Dumbo. I could see him in Dumbo, like I a could polar, see that, yeah. polar Express scenario. Right. 
So I would say Dumbo, but like it, it, the movie that needed him the most was Dark Phoenix. Death of Dick Long. Yeah, we agree. <laughs> <laughs> Death film, of Huge Cock. Film that needed Godzilla the most, and I'm making a declaration here. Right. I love this category. It's Joker. <laughs> Godzilla needed to be a Joker. <laughs> Stop whatever. That would have been there. like during the Gary Glitter scene where he's on the staircase and just got it just swiped. <laughs> now, I am trolling a lot of good people who like Joker. Yes. Because let's be honest, I rewatched Joker after our initial study. And, and you I, gave it points. I gave it many more points. I gave it B plus. You were the opposite of level me. points. I was not happy with it. I, I really liked my rewatch of it. That was my third and fourth watches of it when I when I saw it again. Yeah, I give you credit there. Um here's my headspace for this <laughs> category, okay? <laughs> Because I'm going to come off as racist. And I I truly, this comes oh, from a no. place of good. I just scrolled down. I don't mean this. I sincerely have no, <laughs> the answer's Parasite. <laughs> but there's no way this to is a say bad that. Look. This is a bad look. <laughs> there's no way to say that without sounding This me. is fucked up. So right? I'm not going to say that. All I will right. just, I, I would, somebody might suggest. Even mentioning Somebody it. out there, not myself, because I would never, but somebody. Okay. Might say Parasite is the perfect movie for Godzilla no Kevin. nobody would because everybody loves Parasite. Just perhaps there's a person in the universe that could suggest Ryan L. Terry would have better taste <laughs> than you right now. Tell me a giant dragon in that movie doesn't immediately solve every problem. That's all I'll say. Somebody might say that and make that argument. I won't. Um, so my answer will be it chapter two okay. because it would have saved me two hours if Tom Hanks was in that. Uh, or Godzilla was in that. Uh, I'm sorry, we Godzilla. Moved, that's what I meant. Yes, if Tom, I would have watched it more if Tom Hanks was in it. Uh, if it was, <laughs> Godzilla was in it chapter two, it would have saved me two hours. Also the Aeronauts because I think that would have been funny. Uh, Diane 2 because I think that would have been out of nowhere and had a Diane. little spice. <laughs> I don't think there's a movie I wouldn't love Godzilla in from 2019. I think it would have been great in everything. Cast him. Cast Godzilla in, in a lot of those movies would be very funny. Film that desperately needed a basketball game. So I don't know if we're thinking Grown Ups 2 here. I don't know thinking why this is a category, but I love it. In the middle of When Harry Met Sally, you just need like two friends hanging out, basketball game. You have a great answer. It's climax for me. Because Which would have fit in the movie. You have the dance scenes of a lifetime in that movie, and I just want to break out in a dance scene of my own right now. I thought it was brilliant. It's and basically somebody guarding somebody anyway with those dance moves. They need a little break. And they probably, you know, they're physical. They're athletes. Mm -hmm. They're dancers. Mm -hmm. It's a dance troupe. They could play a little basketball. Yeah, I like it. I would sign me up. It would have saved them a lot of grief. <laughs> um, my answer, I'm not saying a basketball game would have fit a hidden life. I'm just saying I would like Terrence Malick to shoot the NBA someday. That's interesting. I think it'd be beautiful. Okay. Yeah. All right, that's a good answer. I actually like that answer. I thought you were just trolling a hidden life for a while there. Another serious question here. Adapted screenplay. I don't think I have many surprises, but uh, we got top five. Here. I'm interested to hear your number one. My number five, I, I will give an honorable mention to Mike Flanagan and Dr. Sleep again. But my number five, Toy Story 4. Again, I don't know why it's not getting more serious consideration. I wish it would. I think it's a great movie. It has no business being as good as it is. My number four is Loose. You've heard me talk longly about that again. Uh, my top three shouldn't be a surprise for longtime listeners of MMO. Jojo Rabbit is a three by a hair. Wow. Pun intended, I guess. Little Women is my two. And Endgame should be nominated and should win this category. I oh, think. wow. That's very cool. I didn't think you'd go Endgame number one, but that is... Just uh... nothing was up against more difficulty this year in appeasing everybody 
I love that script, yeah. and I'm going to say how much I love it in a second. Loose is my number five. Steve Zalian's The Irishman's my number four. Mm-hmm. I think Act Two is just really great. Jojo Rabbit, I said wow before because it's also my number three from Taika Waititi. And then Endgame is my number two because I still think, after my study of all the Little Women's mm-hmm. and then the book Little Women, how Greta Gerwig took that movie and made it palatable for fans, but also Agreed. like the modern audience. And also just did something really new and innovative with it. I just, I love that uh, adaptation. It's going to be a fascinating category this Sunday, this adapted screenplay between Little Women and JoJo. The stats, the carryover WGA stats aren't great. And the script or stats are actually better. So you never know, like, which precursor matters more. We might find that out with JoJo and Greta Gerwig. I I wouldn't sleep on Greta yet. I'm almost still considering picking her again. Yeah, for sure. Going to be interesting come our prediction episode uh, tomorrow or whenever. We get. It. I don't we know what regain consciousness this. Yeah. after this recording. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Starfighter at M A T Starfighter. Best stunt person or team, Michael. John Wick Chapter Three. Parabellum. Again, you know, it's just the kick-ass action of the year, and a lot of it, if not all of it, was practical effects for most of the movie. These blockbuster movies that get hundreds of millions of dollars poured into them, mm-hmm. save for The Irishman, mm-hmm. because. Worst stunt might be from the Irishman, <laughs> but regardless of that, <laughs> these blockbuster movies that are these big action epics, all the MCU stuff, all the Mission Impossible movies, you have stunt people literally putting their life on the line to make these shots look good. I, I wish the Academy would recognize them at some point in the near future. I would say Endgame just because I will always say something MCU for stunts if Mission Impossible isn't around that year. I, I just... On a broader scale, I wish the people from John Wick, the stunt people from Quiet Place, etc., I wish the Academy would recognize the work of stunt people. They should, uh, and I'm going to have another shout-out to this film coming up, and the MVP of that stunt team. Good. So stay tuned. But I I also did a 60% of the time it works every time statement before when I said every every scene's practical effects. But that's a testament to the fact that I don't know what's practical and what's computerized in that movie. It might be all of it. might be some of it. I don't know. It's like Alita Battle Angel. Original score, Michael, and another hand-handed segue. (laughs) I'm actually going with the popular choice here. Hildur Gunadatir from Joker. It's tough to pick against it. That's my pick as well. Uh, I think Us is still ranked very high. And Ryan L. Terry was another category where he said best horror score of the year. Correct. And I would give Us that in a runaway. But I think Us should be considered for original score. But it's tough to pick against Hilda with what she's done. Wow. So we both picked her after lamenting the fact that she's sweeping throughout award season. It's not our re- fault. Recent episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we are hypocrites. Last Black Man in San Francisco, Little Women, 1917, Marriage Story, Loose, at Astra, Parasite, Great Harriet. Great year for score. Great year for score. Fastandfentress.com, at Fastandfentress, F-E-N-T-R-E-S-S, gave us the category of Best Dad Movie. Something and we talk about glowingly here. These are my nominees, Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, 19 1917, Motherless Brooklyn, and Knives Out, Michael. So, a dad movie, right? (laughs) If any dad sits down to watch The Irishman, they are falling asleep. But isn't that the point of dad movies? (laughs) Don't you want to, like, doze off halfway through? I can't tell you the number of times my father has fallen asleep with Goodfellas on. 
on like AMC <laughs> or something. So, so there's already precedent for Scorsese what, putting think, your father to sleep. I think it's a sneaky a tactic of Scorsese's. <laughs> I think that's the perfect dad movie. You just doze off, you wake up, it's still on. You can watch the ending. I think it's The Irishman. Fathers around the planet are just like, <laughs> movie gave me some great Z's. <laughs> right. They have it's their own part of the rubric. Caught some great Z's during the Irishman. Picked it up at three in the morning the next day. I get the gist. I get with, the gist. With my coffee. <laughs> All right. Very good. I, I have to go with that pick as well. I, the Irishman. Yeah. And speaking of the Irishman, we also have the category of best stunt. Michael. The worst stunt of the year. It's like you said. <laughs> I trampled on your That's joke. You wrote that down. I apologize. De Niro versus that grocery store owner. <laughs> Just easily the worst in like the last decade. Let me play devil's advocate. Does that make it the most memorable stunt of 2019? No, because Eddie Murphy as Dolomite at the trunk of the car <laughs> losing it, was yeah. even funnier. <laughs> you were losing it. <laughs> but that was intended to be funny. That's the difference. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking about it now. The movie, It took like four points off every, every rewatch. I think I deducted a point for that scene. And it was mentioned by everybody. Like there's things you could do specifically to have it go viral and make a meme out of it but you're in on it. Like I firmly believe Shakira knew what she was doing when she went to the camera. I think she wanted that to be memed and successfully was. I don't think this part of the Irishman was meant to be so breathtakingly awkward and every outlet picked up on it. The choice to do a wide shot there is the worst choice of the the year. Especially because it's Scorsese. Baffling. I agree. It really is. I also wanted to give credit to the cameraman who was shooting under Roger Deakins for 1917 for best (laughs) stunt. Because I'm convinced they had to have been diving in the water at one point. Oh, the gaffers are the MVPs of 1917. But the best stunt of the year, Michael, goes to the dog (laughs) scaling the wall in John Wick Chapter 3 to go bite that bad guy. Yes. It was the greatest stunt of the year. I can't believe that dog literally jumped, like, scaled a 10-foot, just parkoured that wall onto that building and then bit that bad guy. Yeah, yeah. The greatest thing of the year. I'll have to post the YouTube video. A real MVP there, yeah. I'll have to post the YouTube video on our social media. Love it. Great pick. We'll transition to original song, Michael. It's going to stand up from Harriet. It is. Cynthia Revo for me. I, I Look, I, I said that I think of the ones nominated, stand up is the winner. I stand by that. I think it should win the Oscar as well. Mm. I'm going to say the I've Got Five on It remix is an original song because I think that's the most impactful song of that the year. That was our favorite song. By far, right? But if it's not, if you want to stamp your feet... How about Perfume Genius from Booksmart? The scene where Caitlin Devers is diving into the pool towards the end nice. of the movie. I love that song. I think it fit the scene very well. I, I'll go with that if you don't want to count the other suggestions. And what was the uh, credit song from Uncut Gems that you kept going on and on about? Oh! <laughs> Mike! Let me tell you a story for about 15 to 20 minutes. Thank you for bringing this up. I guess I got you. Can you send me the song so I can actually It's not an original it. song. This song came right. out in like 2000. It's called I'll Fly With You by right. Gigi D'Agostino or La Amour Toujours, as its French name is called. Huh? Yeah. I didn't notice it. I didn't notice it. It's been one of my favorite songs forever. And when it was okay. hit, like, when the beat hit in the credits, I was like, wait a minute. So that movie was made for you. Did somebody remix this? Yeah. And then it was just the straight song. And I was... It was the first credits I sat through all year where I knew there wasn't a post credit scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. I'll fly with you, Gigi D'Agostino. Go seek it out. I will send it to you multiple times. There's a bunch of different versions. You really got to immerse yourself into it and to appreciate it. I'm going to ruin your life now that you brought that up. Oh, my God. 
I'm just feeling nostalgic all of a sudden. No, I'm glad you have a moment because you've been getting, you know, th- tossed around lately. And you have been having some issues with the whole Parasite thing. If Parasite had that song in it, A plus movie. Best soundtrack of the year. What do you want to say best soundtrack? I'm just adding this off the fly. I'm going to say it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I have a hard time picking a game. I legitimately listen to that just in regular listening. If Me too. I'm going on walks or whatever. Totally. I, I bring that up. So I think it is without, a, without that one. All right. We're back to the Mike, Mike, and Rosenbergs. And <laughs> he gives us the category of best performance by an Emmy winner. This is cool. Good, good category, yeah. Laura Dern, Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, Al Pacino. <laughs> Brad Pitt. So which way do you lean on this? Terrible Brad Pitt. (laughs) I didn't know that's what you were going for. Um, It was great. I'm trying to get a cigar smoking. Brad Pitt. I can't do it. No. Uh, Do you go towards the people that are probably going to win the Oscars? Do you go towards the people that you think should win the Oscar? I go to my list. And my list right now, the highest ranked on any one of those lists is Brad Pitt. I'm the same way. That would be my choice as well with Al Pacino number two because he's my number two. Laura Dern's just lower. Al Pacino's probably the next closest for me, but yeah, I'm going with Brad Pitt. Anthony Hopkins, I know we've given the two popes a lot of shit, but Anthony, what those two leads did in the two popes is very commendable. They did a great job. It's solid. That movie's rough on rewatch. I I have a hard time. Actor in a leading role. Michael, start us off with your five. So my number five might be a little bit of a surprise. Matt Damon from Ford v. Ferrari. Oh, wow. I, I think it's a performance that's very underrated. I think it really is the glue of that movie. Huh. I think there's more emotion than people realize. I've been very, very high on it since I saw it. I never understood why Bale was the guy that was ranked so much higher than everybody else because Bale, to me, was just emotionally outbursting every scene, which is what his character... I mean, he did a great job of it. Hmm. But I think I thought Matt Damon was the one that had more range there, and he had to be more reserved and more coy because he was not only... Had this firecracker in Christian Bale, but he also had to placate the big bad, uh, you know, Henry Ford. But he also had to worry about what was going on with the car itself. And is he even going to go for it? He had a lot of balls in the air. I don't think he got enough shine. I don't, I never expected him to be nominated, but I just, you know, I needed a fifth. I was between him. I was between Eddie Murphy. There was a lot of other people up there, but I just landed on him because I didn't think he got enough credit this season. So you think he out-poped the other Pope? And Jonathan Price. <laughs> yes, I because do. that was that kind of I performance. Yeah, that I agree. Set up yeah. performance that assists man. Yeah, right, that's, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, Paul yeah. Walter Hauser's my four. No surprise. We said he was in our top five. Yep. In another year, he should win this. I mean, the guy is outstanding. I, I wanted to give him a shine. I think he very much was one of the top five performances of the year, without question. Uh, I understand if you don't want to say the same about Damon, I will die on the hill that Paul Walter <laughs> Hauser was. And the top three are pretty much the top three as they are, except I have them in a different order. Joaquin Phoenix is my three, Adam Driver my two, Leo, again, no surprise, is my number one. So I'm with you on highlighting some uh, some young actors and some snubs. My number five is Kelvin Harrison Jr. from Waves. Yeah, great pick. And I liked him more in Waves than I did in Loose. Loose, like I his agree. character pissed me off a little bit, but he, it's a really it's supposed to do that, right. I think. Uh, Paul Walter Hauser is also That's my fine. number four. Both have him number four. Richard Jewell there, and no surprise from us. I also have the top three. I think there was a top three this year. Agree. And I think they're, they're, there's no question about it. Rank them however you will. Adam Driver was my three. Joaquin Phoenix is my two. Leonardo DiCaprio is my one. I do want to make an honorable mention to uh, Robert Pattinson, my lead actor in a horror film. <laughs> Best lead actor in a horror film this year because that performance is just batshit. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I, I have to sit down and just lose myself. And maybe I'll have an Eggers day. I'll do The Witch and then I'll oh, do no. The Lighthouse and then I'll do PCP because <laughs> that'll be it for do my PCP headspace. Do PCP before? No, don't I can't. do drugs. No kids. way. Don't do <laughs> Absolutely drugs. Absolutely not. 
Rob Rosenberg is back! Uh, best performance by an actor or actress who was nominated at a previous ceremony that was hosted by Billy Crystal. <laughs> Laura Dern, Anthony Hopkins, Brad Pitt, Charlize Theron, and Renee Zellweger are the nominees, Michael. So basically it's changing that previous category, but now we're adding some heavyweight contenders. Yeah. From the best actress category right. now. We have Charlize Theron, Renee Zellweger going up against Brad Pitt. Because I can't pick Dern or Hopkins over Pitt because I just picked Pitt over Dern and Hopkins. Right, that's the same problem I have. I still have Pitt beating out Zellweger and Charlize, but it's a closer match between him and Zellweger. Who's right your now. number two, if you had to pick out of any of Zellweger. those Zellweger. Zellweger is number two. Yeah. I, I pick Pitt as well. I think Charlize would be my number two, though, and it'd be mm -hmm. close. I yeah, you're higher on Charlize yeah, Theron yeah. this year. And we'll talk about that right now. Actress in a leading role, Michael. My number five is Florence Pugh from Midsommar. I think they got this category very wrong this year, just in terms of what the Academy did. I agree. My number four is Jessie Buckley from nice. Wild Rose. I really loved her in that film. Scarlett Johansson is a carryover from the Oscar nominations in my number three spot in Marriage Story. Saoirse Ronan is a carryover as well from Little Women. She's in my number two spot. And Lupita Nyong'o from Us is back in my number one spot. Good. Even though I kind of shuffled them around a little bit for a while there, but I rewatched Us, and she's terrific. She, it's a crime what happened to her this award season. Very reluctantly, I already said this, but I put Renee Zellweger at my five. I don't feel good about it because I'm not very high on that performance. She was in my five for a long time as well, but yeah. then I rewatched Midsommar on Amazon Prime, and I was like, I got, I got to put her back in there. Yeah, she's awesome. Uh, uh. I know, I wish I did, but all right. Renee Zellweger. I'm my cooler five. than you, that's all. <laughs> that's true. I mean, no <laughs> argument here. Charlize is my four. I am high on that performance. I, like you, did have a couple carryovers from the actual Academy uh, category as it is. Aquafina is my three. Cool. Again, it's a weird resume that she has with the Globe and the Gotham, but not even making Indie Spirits. I really think that Indie Spirit, the lack of the Indie Spirit nom is what hurt her I in dig, Oscar Brothers. I dig the subtlety in that performance. She's really shown a lot of maturity as an actress. And then she's got the blowout Oscar reel scene, which I'm surprised didn't play on the Academy more than it did. She's definitely like a top seven for me yeah. on the year. Her and Renee are probably my next two i think you could have an argument for three through five this is just again it's subjective and incredibly biased it's just my opinion i think there's any kind of argument i you know you could argue florence Pugh. that's fine with me you could argue jesse buckley that's fine with me i think there are two performances in the same two you have that are head and shoulders above the class this year yeah. and it's saoirse ronan and lupita nyong'o and i think lupita is easily the number one but saoirse if lupita's like an a a minus performance saoirse is like a b plus Saoirse Ronan's character is the one I related to most right. on the year. Yeah. I'm not there you go. a woman. I'm not what? someone who grew up <laughs> in the uh, early 18th century or 19th century, however math works. But we did, both of us come from households with very strong matriarchs at the yeah. head of them, so maybe that's some kind of implication and some reason for it anyway. We're not so starving artists, yeah. but uh, you know we, uh, we we get out there in New York City from time to time. Yeah. There's just a lot, a lot in common. I, I don't know if I could stand up to Tracy Letts, though. I, mean, I could just... stand up to that Tracy Letts because I can relate to him. <laughs> All right, but that's still a fantasy for me. Uh, Ryan L. Terry asked us, of course, who's our best leading actress in a horror movie this year. We both to. say... Shout out to Samara Weaving, but yes, Lupita Nyong'o. And Florence Pugh. And Florence Pugh, Pugh I had yeah. two horror movie actresses in my top five. Yeah, I'm going to say Lupita Nyong'o, though. Uh, Same. Sorry. And I wanted to give one more. I saw best leading lady in a horror film from Ryan L. Terry. I wanted to give make up my own category. Best breakout horror leading lady. Yeah. Haley Griffith. Go watch 
watch Satanic Panic. She was great. Go listen to the interview I had with her. She could not have been more kind and more sweet to talk to. Absolutely love that terrific. interview. Love it. Love it. Love it. Let's move on in the Mike, Mike, and Rosenberg's portion of this uh, <laughs> award show to best performance or direction by a recipient of the AFI Lifetime Achievement Award or the Cecil B. DeMille Award at the Golden Globe. This is like the creme de la creme of uh, Hollywood here. Robert De Niro. Yeah. Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, Al Pacino, and Martin Scorsese, Michael. I mean, this is so tough because you have supporting and leading, and now let's throw like the greatest director of all time in there, However, too. However, we can rank the performances, though, which we have done. So my answer is simple. It's Al Pacino. He's my highest ranked amongst this group. I think... God, the balls and what Scorsese did, though. He does deserve a lot of credit. I think I agree with you. Gun to my head right now, I will say Pacino. I think I would have Hanks fifth of these five. Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, Hopkins four. Scorsese's my five, because they just, they, the things that went wrong yeah, in the Irishman. Yeah, you don't you have a big problem. Knocked, I understand it. I, it got I think knocked out of my top ten. I'm shocked by that. It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. More on that in a little bit. Right now, director Michael. <laughs> That's right. What do we have for these top five directors here? What do you got? Okay, my number five was a recent addition to this category yeah. uh, and to this list. Uh, Wad Al-Khatib, and excuse me if I didn't pronounce her name right, she is a real-life hero filming for Sama in Aleppo. Yeah. And I can't get over the fact that she, she got what she got on camera. It's just that she's a hero. And the cave, the characters in the cave, again, heroes of fathers and sons. Uh, the last few years, we've had some serious documentaries about Syria. Watch them all. They all make you cry. They're all worth it. But uh, For Sama was a late addition to my top five directors. Greta Gerwig is my number four. Oh, nice. From Little Women. Bong Joon-ho from Parasites, my three. Sam Mendes, 1917's my two. And look, I think Quentin Tarantino... Tarantino or Tarantino? Quentin Grand Torino. Quentin Grand Torino, who's yelling like an old man on his lawn at this point because Rightfully so. he's not getting the awards he wants. Uh, Michael, he, he, this is his best directorial job since Inglorious Bastards, in my opinion. I don't understand. What more? <laughs> uh, go back a couple episodes and listen to my but speech. I, I think if you're a tech head, though, Sam Mendes is... Doing it justice. I there. didn't include him. He's just on the outside of my five. I huh. think, I just, again, it's nothing against him. I think 1917 is great. I just, the degree of difficulty is what I keep going back to. That's why I put Jordan Peele in here. Because without Jordan Peele's direction, that story makes no sense. Okay. Uh, so I put him at my number five. Because the, the story kind of makes no sense at times. Yeah, right. I mean, it makes no sense anyway, really. I mean, it's, it's vague enough to be left open to interpretation, I think. But I think that was purposeful. Rewatching Us, it just seems a little half-baked. Like, I had more stories. I don't dis- yeah, I don't disagree yeah. with that take. I could see it. My rewatch eight months later on Us was that it's it doesn't hold up quite as well in terms of the story. But I love Lupita. And I docked it a point on my yeah, rewatch. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Uh, Russo Brothers, again, just Avengers Endgame, and then there's not really a lot of surprises there. Ryan Johnson's my three, Greta Gerwig my two, Quentin my one. I should have went with the Russo Brothers. I'm a coward. But I didn't do Sam Mende, so we can both be mad at ourselves. Ryan L. Terry asked us about the best horror movie director of the year, and my highest ranked is still Jordan Peele, so I'm going with Jordan Peele. It's but you know it, horror really had a great year. Yeah. Us, Midsummer, uh, Mike Flanagan, what he did with Doctor Sleep. I'll probably go with Peel just okay. again because I think that was more reliant on the direction than it was the screenplay. 
Flanagan's very close, and Astor's very close, too. Well, give the credit where it's yeah. due, Michael. And now we got one more big question here before we dive into our final top 22 on the year. The Blood Buddies. <laughs> Horror podcast at the Blood Buddies spelled out there. They asked us, Mike, what is the best, best picture winner of the decade? The answer, obviously, is the social network. <laughs> You're delusional. What? The King's Speech. What do you mean it didn't win? The Artist, Argo, 12 Years a Slave, Birdman, Spotlight, Moonlight, Shape of Water, Green Book, and I'm just going to say 1917 at this point. Those are the 10 best picture winners in all likelihood. What is the best of those? So I I have kind of a top tier. Okay. All right. My top tier is Moonlight, Birdman, Argo, 1917. Those four. I mean, again, I have all these graded out, so those four have my highest grades. I really, really like Spotlight. Yeah. I would probably put Moonlight, Spotlight, 1917. 12 Years a Slave was really good, too, though. Argo was so tough. 12 Years a Slave is really good. I don't love the ending of that movie. Mm, I, I, that. I had an issue back when, but it's a B-plus 89 still for me. I didn't like The Artist. I really didn't like Shape of Water. I kind of liked The Artist. I just didn't like it as a Best Picture winner. It was yeah. like a B86 It was one of those things like, I, I, like I would like it more if it wasn't in the Best Picture conversation. Right, Shape of Water. Yeah. Fine right. movie. exactly. It's, it's fun. It. it was a B plus 87. Green Book probably would have been a little less B85 for me, but I don't know. I think The King's Speech is actually underrated, but it was so overrated that it's not right. underrated. Right, I, I, I would agree with your assessment. Yeah, I, I so of those... Gun to your head, if you had to pick one of your top tier right now, what would it be? Gun to my head, I would say Birdman. Because yeah, I, I think I want to rewatch Birdman the most. I think mine might be Moonlight. Hmm. Maybe Moonlight or Spotlight. Eh, it could be 1970. Moonlight, Spotlight, 1917, I think are my top three of those in some order. Yeah, it's hard to argue with, but uh, 1917, I kind of want to rewatch again, yeah. too. That might be the best movie, and that's probably why it's going to win at the end of the day, but top tier for me as well. Let's get into it now, Mike. Our top 22s, for some reason we did 22, because you had too many ties. Yeah. You... <laughs> I meant to do a top 20, and I didn't. <laughs> wanted to spread the love is the nice way to say it, but I want to get mad at you for the ties here. <laughs> Okay. Uh, just going through the first four here, first four or five, four. Yeah, I can count. That's fine. Uh, I liked Between Two Ferns a lot. The movie, <laughs> I thought it was very funny it and ridiculous funny. humor. And I'm all about random and ridiculous humor. I also wanted to give Shine to Hustlers and Diane, which are in there too. Uh, PB Falcon is also all 84 Bs for me. I like those picks, and uh, I like all four of those movies too. So my back four Looses is my number 22 B plus 88. The Cave B plus 88. Midsommar is my number 20. Apollo 11 is my number 19, which actually dipped down. Uh, I, w- I do want to make uh, mention of The Cave, which blew me away last night on Nat Geo On Demand. You can watch that right watch now. That, yeah. Everybody needs to watch it. Realize what real heroes look like, folks. I mean, these Syrian doc- doctors, my God, this woman is a hero. The people she has on staff are heroes. Blew me away. And it's nice to see every year the documentary feature winners. They usually are issue movies, and those... The winners get up and they take use of their time. Their acceptance speeches are usually driven to give even more exposure to these issues that they cover because they have become such a big part of these people's lives in covering these films. But when they get you on camera doing heroic things, like we've seen issue movies in the past where like, let's lament this problem. And they're, they're all noble, right? Some of them get a little, you know, carried away, mm-hmm. and the fact that they're nominated over happy movies about Mr. Rogers gets us angry. <laughs> right. However, they're noble, correct? This movie, they're actually showing you the heroic yeah. things she's doing on a daily basis, and you can only imagine what else 
these these doctors are doing. Anyway, Mike, your next four. Yeah, five? so these are all eighty-five Bs. Uh, Midsommar, the great hack I had in there. The farewell. I was just in love with the fire festival docs i know that's yeah. kind of like a broy pick i don't <laughs> care i put them all in one entry uh both the greatest fest that never was and fire fraud i think hulu and netflix there uh I, those are my 85 b's for the year this next collection is a, a bunch of movies that were in my top 10 at one point or another us ready or not hustlers loved hustlers Lorene scafari it was a great rewatch too i was afraid hustlers was really good i was afraid that i was going to dock yeah. it on rewatch it just got bumped out by other movies coming out and toy story 4 uh is my is my 15 there i i wanted to keep that in it just again bumped by too many good movies this year it was a very very strong year and a very deep year for solid movies in 2019 so as deep well. and kind rich lived up to its expectations uh richard jewel going 14 to 11s here is the last of the 85 b's i have but it's mm -hmm. probably the one i would rank highest of them so we'll include that here also these are 86 b's trending towards the b plus range us knives out dr sleep I was so high on Dr. Sleep and I couldn't, I, it, it stuck, stick with me. I think Mike Flanagan had the hardest job maybe of the entire year. Maybe Greta Gerwig was up there too. And maybe that might be it. It might be between those two for me as far as highest degree of difficulty go. So Ryan L. Terry asked us to tab our best horror film of the year. And he also said the horror OG award. Does both of those awards from Ryan L. Terry go to Dr. Sleep for I you? I think they do, man. I, I The tightrope he had to walk, Flanagan, in not only placating the source material uh, of Stephen King's book, but being true to the Kubrickian yeah. story that Stephen King notoriously and famously hated, and they're so different. Like, The Shining book is not The Shining movie, obviously. Everybody knows that. And somehow he's able to pull this off it's, it's more than the, homage. Yeah, right. I mean, he really weaves this kind of tapestry telling, and it's one of those things where it's like maybe the content alone is a B, because it does have its faults. We reviewed those. Yep. But the degree of difficulty is like the, the effort he puts into it is like an A++. It's and you know really what? well done. If you enjoyed the hell out of the movie yeah. at times, then enjoy the hell out of the movie at times. Yeah. And then your highs in that film just outweighed any any issues you saw in it. I thought it was a really strong movie as well. I gave it a B86 on my year. I just, it just got bumped Same out of my, yeah. my, big, uh, my, my big list there. Okay, my highest rated horror film is actually coming up next, and it is The Lighthouse. There you go. B plus 89. I had it higher. I rewatched it, and I had some more issues. Did you I have to talk yourself down on it and be like, I can't give this an A? <laughs> I did. Yeah, I, I can see that. I talked myself down like... <laughs> This is almost getting a little scary because I, if I pick in my favorites, it's in my top ten. Yeah, it's maybe sure. in my top five favorite movies of the year. But I kind of treated this list more as a best gotcha. list, so it's at my number fourteen. My number thirteen, and upon rewatch, it, this really plays great. It's the farewell B plus yeah. eighty nine. Love it. Just a timeless story. Too. It really gets to me. Susan Zhao, oh my God, the, her performance. And Aquafina is terrific, you know, anchoring that movie. This, These other two fell. Like, the, the furthest fall on my list are these two. Ironic, because they're also the two that probably have lost the most momentum in the last month. The Irishman and Marriage Story. They're yeah. both really good films. I've rewatched them so many times. And maybe it's a law of diminishing returns. Yeah, could be. 
But rewatching Marriage Story again, I'm seeing more flaws. Studying the Irishman as much as I did, I'm seeing too many flaws to really enjoy the movie. Well, there's a reason they have lost momentum out yeah. of any of the contenders in the Oscars and the Academy, right? I mean, there are multiple between the two of them. They have what 16 nominations, and yet for some reason they may go two of 16 on the night. Maybe they're gonna struggle. Yeah. Okay, we're about to get scolded. <laughs> also, Mom wrote on Instagram. I don't know how she knows how to use this, but she does. <laughs> for your award show, I expect to hear an award for best picture with a happy ending, without excessive stress, and the best evening gowns. She could have just wrote, give Downton Abbey an award for me. <laughs> Would have saved some time. <laughs> she wants tiaras awarded. She's like, do not disappoint me. But what else is new? I'm disappointing my mother. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. I mean, Down Abbey just didn't play that well with us this year. I will give it the most uh, surprisingly pleasant viewing experience. We had fun with we had us fun. and our mothers. We were the only people in the yeah. theater. We we laughed it up. We had a blast. There you go. There's your we reviewed award. the movie. Uh, they they got us there. Your, our moms became friends. Yes. So th- it was <laughs> all good. The movie was a B eighty five for me. Yeah, I rewatched it. I get it. Beautiful pr- production design, costumes. I think cinematography was excellent. Agreed. All notches above what the TV show did. Uh, but you, look, I mean, scre- screenwriting wise, you know, the conflict was about like silverware. <laughs> The conflict was about silver. So that's tough to pull off. It's not going to, you know, <laughs> come up with to, the, to these other 10 right, movies or 20 right. movies. You're talking silverware. You're talking like, you know, gambling with mafia members. Which, by the way, I forgot to put Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems would have been in the 85 for me as well. A hard beat. So oh, just yeah. That oh, you record. forgot to yeah. add that to your list. We've been busy, though. Right. I did that, too. Like, my list, I stopped keeping up with it. Right. If I watched movies and, yeah, I had to re- recheck it out. So, all right. Our top 10 films of the year, Mike. You're number 10. Loose. 87 B+. plus. Nice. Uh gnawing at me can't stop thinking about it can't stop thinking about octavia spencer's being snubbed can't stop thinking about forgive me i can't think of the actress's name but the role her sister played in it the woman who plays octavia spencer's sister in the movie i think she was only in a couple scenes but she was great my eyes couldn't stay off of her kelvin harrison jr like you said i hated his portrayal but it's a character written to be hated in the way that way to bring up questions about how you view people yourself uh loved it loved everything about that movie that's a movie I really want to rewatch. Maybe I'd add points to it if I rewatch it. I, ha- I just haven't seen it. It's only it available since. on DVD. Really? They didn't even do a Blu ray release. Strange. Waves is my number 10, B plus 89. And this is also answering a question from James Reed, Jim Bocci Pasta 186. That's how, That's how I'm going to say his name him. from now on. Yeah. You can spell it. (laughs) Definitely on my family, Chris. (laughs) Most underrated film of 2019 goes to Waves for me. I I think uh, both our top tens discuss underrated movies, and I'm glad we highlight these. Waves discusses some tough subject matter that probably hits close to home for some current events you know, in everybody's hometown. Yeah. I mean, you could find you could find something like this in everybody's hometown. Yeah. And I do think that could touch a nerve with people. I still think it's worth talking about, and I still think it's worth dramatizing. And th- this cast pulling this off in this film with such, you know, trademark cinematography and everything that they're doing in terms of the production values. This movie worked on me like 
Matt Neglia from Next Best Picture said it would, and I went in figuring it would, and it still did. Good. So it's lived up to and surpassed expectations. It's always it's special when a movie can do that, no question. As far as underrated films, I echo what you said. I think Loose is criminally underrated, especially in award season this year. Uh, I would also, something I'm coming up with on number seven kind of got overlooked because of the sphere it's in, now, which this I'll is talk about. Tie number seven. You have four your number seven spot. Yeah. So your number nine, your worst seven. What is it? Marriage Story. Mm-hmm. I was surprised at how much I liked that movie. I did not expect to be blown away by it, especially because I, I really am not enamored with the ScarJo performance. I think it's a very good performance. I don't think it's awards caliber, but it, for some reason, I don't get as maybe it's because all my annoyance went into fighting the parasite battle that I have this year, and I didn't have you anything can only left. Do so much, <laughs> but for some reason, I really think Adam Driver is spectacular. I really think the script is spectacular. I think Scarlett Johansson is very, very good. Uh, I was surprised by how much I really enjoyed Marriage Story. And that's a case of the highs overcoming lows yes. for you in that case. Because you had some lows for Marriage Story. Yeah. So that's really cool. My number nine is Knives Out. I just went to the movies and rewatched this. I had a ball. So good. I had so much fun. It's just one of the funnest movies in a long time. And it's great to rewatch, by Are the way. Are you pro, or was this something we talked about with John Gabers when we reviewed the movie? Uh, he said he didn't want a sequel. They're getting, obviously, a Knives Out. There, or at least they've been while Blanc cinematic universe. I want to. Benoit Blanc cinematic yeah. universe, though. I think they, I do, too. Don't you? I think so, yeah. I mean, I don't need Knives Out 2, but I want Benoit Blanc sol- solving another murder yeah, somewhere. Yeah. That'd be terrific. Mike, your number 8 or 70.2? <laughs> uh, the Irishman, another 87B plus for me. It's long, you know. I mean, that's its biggest criticism. It's Act 3. The ending is it's it's a half hour that could just be cut. I don't think it's necessary at all, but still, you can't look away from what Martin Scorsese did, from what Netflix did, taking a chance on it. The performances are, there's three Academy caliber performances that lead this movie across the board. The subtext that's going on with Anna Paquin's character is great. It doesn't live up to the hype, yeah, but it's a very good movie. Again, took my biggest tumble, but the highs of the Irishman, yeah. if you forgive the flaws, are just some of the best scenes of the year. We're like, we didn't do a best scenes of the year episode. Maybe we will at some point. Probably not too much to do. But the, some of the best scenes of the okay. year are in the Irishman. My number eight is Booksmart. And this was just a movie I had a so blast good. watching. I watched it a couple times. It's funny. It's a, it's a great movie about friendship. It's one of the best movies about friendship I've seen in a long time. And then you get the, the, you know, there's a longing lover narrative for, from Caitlin Deaver's character. Mm-hmm. I can't believe they pulled that off in a raucous, dirty comedy. And they, they, they nailed it. And it's so experimental, too. I, there's a part of it that just goes, like the drug trippy scene that's in every teen comedy goes barbie doll it's hilarious and yeah it fits it's right funny in. and it's goofy and yeah and it's something you don't expect but it, it it's got that style yeah. to it which is why olivia wilde's next project was auctioned off yeah, at, a, at a big number got all those all three of those women olivia wilde beanie feldstein caitlin david huge careers ahead your number seven dash seven t another 87 b plus is another movie that i would say got very overlooked because endgame was such a monster that it was this year i think people might have a hard time remembering captain marvel came out. captain marvel's great and that's what i need to do with my disney plus it's on disney plus i've been searching and grabbing for stuff i should rewatch on disney plus i, I should rewatch captain marvel. i love captain marvel i think it's a really great movie i think it's yeah. a great message I, th- I saw it in a theater where there was a dad there with a son and daughter I asked the daughter going out of the theater, like, what'd you think? She was just beaming with... Like, this is stuff that matters. Representation we keep talking about matters. It was awesome. All that stuff 
I agree with, except also this is just a kick-ass, cool MCU awesome movie, Awesome movie. Awesome movie. We had a lot of fun. It's funny. I mean... Only cat I've ever movie. liked. <laughs> Air quotes. Yes. <laughs> For Sama is my number seven. Yeah. Uh, and I, I kind of reviewed it earlier. A minus 90. This one took me by surprise watching it recently. I was afraid to watch it for a long time. When I finally did it, it really moved me. And it's a tough watch. So just be ready. It's a tough watch, folks, but it, it's worth it. Okay, you're six, Mike. Toy Story 4. 88 B+. Plus. I got two nice. of them. Toy Story 4 is criminally underrated. I'm tired of talking about it. And I started to underrate it, but my grades are... <laughs> close i think i gave it the same grade but yeah, yeah. all right uh my number six is 1917 and a minus 91 we had a few times that we reviewed an osp and had the exact same grade and it was in the a range this is a terrific film it's yeah. a wonderful composition it makes me emotional it works as a war movie it's a distinct war movie that we haven't seen in a long damn time it feels like a best picture it's something that i don't think anybody should be ashamed with putting it atop their ballot because it is really freaking good and i'm mad at at it that it's so good <laughs> right aren't you i, I said at the time, it's the only movie we reviewed that I'd be okay right. with winning Best Picture over Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because if this is a best list, I probably should put it higher, but I'm, it's kind of a best slash favorite list, Yeah, especially when you get to this point. So right. I'm a hypocrite. But there you go. I said it was a best list before. <laughs> now it's turning into a favorite list. It's me. whatever you need it to be. Mike, what's your number five? Little Women, 88, B+. We've talked about it at length for glowing terms, for good reason. Yes, sir. I don't know how Greta Gerwig pulled this off. But I'm very glad she did. It's my number four, and we both have Jojo Rabbit next to each other yeah. as well here. So our four fives are Little Women and Jojo Rabbit. You have Little Women at five and Jojo Rabbit at four. A point Vice difference. versa yeah. for me. They're both the same grade for me. Jojo Rabbit has been my favorite rewatch of the year thus far. I went to the movies and just had a grand old time Such rewatching that. I want to go and see Little Women tonight or tomorrow night. What late was night the most showing. heartwarming movie of the year for you? Oh, it was the Hitler Nazi Youth movie. I can't believe it. It's crazy. I can't believe he did that to me. <laughs> but I should have known because Boy and Hunt for the Wilder People yeah. and and, and Thor Ragnarok uh, in a different way, but th those other two, some of the most heartwarming Loaded films with heart. that I've seen in the last decade. So why wouldn't he do yep. it now with bigger, you know, a bit better cast and bigger money? No, I wonder the cast, if because it is such an original screenplay based yeah. on Caging Skies and what you've told me about it. I wonder if that was given the nod for original screenplay, if it would kind of knock out Parasite and Hollywood. I, I, want, I just wonder about that because I feel like Little Women and Jojo Rabbit should be rewarded for what they do. I know you're higher on Parasite than I am, obviously. Uh, but I just, I wonder if it would have a better chance. Right now it seems to be like a neck and neck race. Well, Act 2 was very original. Yeah. That's for sure. All right, our number threes. And again, you coward, you have a tie. I forgot to rank 1917 uh, because it was on a different list because I do movies by year I watch them. We do this. Yeah. We do this. And again, in the list keeping, I apologize for calling you a coward this time. <laughs> Fair, fair. Uh, 1917 and Apollo 11 are both A minus 91s for me. I'm, they're both my number three mm -hmm. on the year. They are short of my best graded movie of the year by one point. Mm -hmm. uh, I had four movies in the A range this year, all A minuses. Uh, you said everything about 1917. We've talked about everything I can. We can't say about Apollo 11. I stand by it all. Okay, I'm going to get over this quick, but my number three is Parasite. I'm going to put a people booing in the background. <laughs> A-92. It's a high grade for me. To me, there's three top-tier films on this year. 
and my, my at least my top tier. And you, you can argue that Little Women and Jojo Rabbit in any other year would make a top tier. But this year there are three top tier films. Parasite is one of them for me. It's my number three. Mike, what's we your number? We have about the same number. I, I, yeah. I said there's four. I know 19, Apollo 11 would never win a Best Picture. but So, yeah, I have three movies that I would give a Best Picture to, even though I think Apollo 11 belongs in the conversation with Best Films of the Year. Now, for our top two films, they're both the same. Yeah. In, in my case, I went back and forth on this all year long. What's the better movie? And I rewatched them both a ton of times. We saw them both in theaters a ton of times. We've watched them both yeah. at home a bunch. Yep. How do you finish the year? I can't. I can't. Choose between these I, two. I, I have them ranked with one T for a reason. I, they're the same grade. They're the same impact. They, they rank very highly as far as like my all-time favorites. And Mike, just you got to choose. You gotta if make I have to choose. Choice. It's a list. You have to do it. I'm pushing you over the top here. You have to I'm choose saying, one. I'm saying I'm trying. I'm trying to convince myself to say Endgame, but I'm going to say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All right, that's so my number one. Both our number twos are Avengers Endgame, and again, I was all over the map with yeah. this all year. I rewatched Avengers Endgame recently, and it was really strong. But again, the more you rewatch these, you know, there, there's some holes in that sure. movie, and there's some holes in Hollywood too. Like there's yeah. some scenes yeah. that bother me that I don't like. Still, favorite best. They're both A93s for me, and they're both A-92s for you. Is is the problem you have with Hollywood that it's too short and you wish you were, it's not, you wanted more? That's the biggest problem But here's I the have. thing. <laughs> Who's the first person that's going to watch Netflix's extended Once Upon a Time in Hollywood cut? There's going to be, instead of three dots until the Hollywood, there'll be six dots in the ellipses. <laughs> I will watch that cut the first. The, the, I will watch that cut. I'll be the wait. first man to watch it. I can't wait. I love That mo- movie might have... I, Mulholland Drive has been my number one favorite movie for a long time. I legitimately think, I don't think it's recency bias. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is right there now. I'm just in love with that movie. Endgame, I've cried legitimate tears at very few movies in my life, Michael. And I went to see this movie, I think, three times, four times in theaters. I can't remember. Every time at the same parts, I would tear up every, every I time. I agree. I agree with you. Even watching it at home on Disney Plus, every time it gets me. It's a good movie, and I, I Eric Weber's one of the few stands out there yeah. with us that love it. You know, Sean Fennessy is mm-hmm. another one. We just can't help it. We're fanboys as well as Oscar pundits, and we recognize great movies. I think this was a great movie. I wonder if Disney, and I, I theorize this with Eric Weber on the Best Picture category, I wonder if Disney didn't want to put resources into pushing that because they just want the box off. They yeah. knew it wasn't going to win, because yeah. the Academy wasn't going to vote for it, regardless. I, I firmly believe that. And they don't want to run the risk of having it be embarrassed in any way in award season. They can always have the standby argument now, well, well we didn't push it, so you'll never know if it could have won Best Picture. I think that's a safety argument, because I think it wouldn't have won Best Picture, which is a shame. It should be in contention. I agree. And we said it when we did our, like, mm-hmm. six-episode arc on it <laughs> with Nick Mundy uh, for yeah. one of those shows, which was great. And then uh, we, we did our all kinds of previews, reviews, all that stuff for it. Uh, it was a blast. It's what we try and do in the spring. You know, we try and make events out of these movie events, and it's easy to do, right? Yeah. All right. We started with wordplay. We're going to end with some <laughs> wordplay from Alex underscore McCollum1 off of Instagram. He said... Best Mike, Mike, and Oscar nominees. Now, what does this this. mean? We're going to pick two Mikes, and we're going to pick one Oscar. (laughs) All right, he gave us a couple, and I I found a couple more. All right, here's the first Mike. Mike B. Jordan from Just Mercy. Mm -hmm. 
Michael Shannon, Mike Shannon from Knives Out. Mm-hmm. Mike Mann, who's the executive producer of Ford v. Ferrari. Like it. Mike Abels, who did the original score for us. It's tough. Mike Flanagan, who directed and wrote uh, Dr. Sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keegan Mike Key for Dolomite is <laughs> to my To his name. friends. Yeah. <laughs> so those are the mics. we got to pick two of those mics. And for the Oscars, I have three. I have Oscar Isaac, who was Poe in Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. I have different spelling. Oscar Farhadi, who is the director of Everybody Knows. I have to watch that still. That's a really underrated film. Yeah. I know people hated it. That was a 50 percenter yep. that I really, really liked. It that looked people, so intriguing. Like Motherless Brooklyn, Everybody Knows. Those are the two 50 percenters this year that I love that nobody else really liked. I don't know why. It's a shame. I, I have. I still want to check it out, but that's another one of those that like it looked very good coming out. Then I just got scared off by the reception of it. I am not on a fence about those yeah. movies. I really like them. And Oscar Nunez was in the movie Yes this year, but he's also an actor from The Office, and he's on the TV show right now, Mister Iglesias, <laughs> which has gotten pretty nice marks from Netflix, <laughs> the Gabriel Iglesias show. So. Uh, I have to pick Mike Flanagan because of all I've yes, said about do. him yes, this episode. So who is your first Mike? <sighs> I think I got to go with Michael B. Jordan for Just Yeah, Got to do it there. So that's my first Mike. Your, your second Mike? God, it's tough. <laughs> I am going to go with Michael Shannon from Knives Out. I think he did a really stellar job. I think he was scary as shit, and he always is. Uh, yeah, I'm going to stand by that. I think I agree with you. I'm going to go Michael B. Jordan and Michael Shannon. So they're there, Mike and Mike. My heart hurts for disregarding Michael Abels for what he I did I agree. With us. I agree. But he re- did a remix. Are we going to finally just say he remixed a great song? But he remixed a great, a great song. song though. <laughs> and the remix is just as listenable yeah. and addicting. What and are we doing? It's we got to say. Yeah. We got to say Mike I'm Abels. sorry, Michael Shannon. Kick, kick him out of there. Or Mike, <laughs> I'm going to actually kick Michael B. Jordan out. All right. Because I. I, I I loved him in it, but whatever. All right. I got to move on. I got to you got to make a choice sometimes. Yeah. Michael Abels and Michael Shannon. Those are my two mics. I'm Mike Flanagan and Michael Abels. Who's your Oscar? I, I'm hamstrung. I don't want to pick Oscar Isaac, but I, this is the only one I've seen of the three Oscars right. here. Yeah, this is me playing dirty. I, I, I saw Oscar Farhadi's Everybody Knows. I knew you didn't see it. I was hoping you'd bandwagon it with me. I want to. But you don't know. It's a 50 percenter. How could you? How could you? It's like jumping off to Tom York land and motherless Brooklyn. How about me. this? Can yeah. I can I play dirty myself and say my Oscar will be uh, Lupita Nyong'o, who should have won the Oscar this year, no, but who has, the... listen, who has no. won an Oscar already. There was a girl who I was looking at and her last name was Barasker. <laughs> And I almost put her in here. Find Oscar Isaac reluctantly. We need more famous Oscars. The Grouch? Can I pick the Grouch? Was he in a movie? No. No, you have to go with one of these three. All right, Oscar Isaac. Who, for, you know, for what it's worth, I do like the Poe character. So Mike Shannon, Mike Abels, and you pick Oscar Mike. Isaac, which is perhaps our... Our dream Oscar guest, yes. I would say. You yes, know, he's without Oscar, question. No question. The highest profile Oscar, no offense, Mr. Nunez or Farhadi, on this list. Who we would also love to talk to. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going with Oscar Farhadi on this list. And and make Oscar Nunez a movie star. He's yeah. hilarious Yeah, he's great in everything. He's absolutely, even in those State Farm commercials. 
That was a lot of fun, Mike. Way too long. That was very, very long. Uh, We hope it was as much fun to listen to for you guys as it was for us to go through. And we cannot thank you enough. Your creativity truly knows no bounds. You guys were excellent with the categories this year, just as you were last year. One of our wisest decisions we've done here in the history of MMO is opening up this show to include you guys. Because we're always trying to think of ways to let our audience in and let our audience interact and have more control. Uh, We love doing this. And we love giving back to you guys any way we can. So giving you our big award show at the end of the year is truly the least we can do to thank you all for listening and and from the bottom of our hearts i know i speak for mike and saying this too thank you for listening and thank you for what has been our best year ever our best stretch ever we just got off our best month ever again and our best month ever was our best week ever uh hopefully we can keep that ball rolling hopefully you can keep telling friends keep spreading the words about mmo mmo and thank you guys truly I co-sign all of that. Sincerely, we're having a blast doing this, and uh, this show was was easy to prepare because yeah. of you, and uh, we really appreciate all the support. And look, we do this year-round, and you guys are with us year-round. It's really cool to look at you know our numbers from earlier the year episodes. Yeah. Some of them grow at least proportionally to some of these episodes too, which is really cool. Even though you know the episode by episode, you know we're, we're dwarfing what we used to do, sure. which is really exciting for us. So. Uh, so thank you for that. And you get all the credit for that. I mean, that is, that is we we will do this forever. I mean, we have done this before we had microphones in front right. of us. We were just talking to ourselves about these movies. So the fact that uh, you guys find value in it to include it as part of your daily lives uh, could not mean more to us. So we, uh, we are in your debt and cannot thank you all enough. That said, we are still in the middle of Oscars week. So this is our busiest week of the year, and we have plenty more content coming for you guys. I'll let Mike explain that, but as far as the immediate future for us, if you appreciate what we do here, if you appreciated the Mike Mike and Oscars Award show, if we made you even somewhat giggle for a moment at work, uh, we would truly appreciate it. If you can go on Apple Podcasts, please go uh, type in Mike Mike and Oscar into the search tap on our logo, scroll down once, and leave us a five-star review. That would truly mean a lot to us. If you want to leave us any comments, or if we did, by the way, miss anything, any categories, uh, we will pick those up and we will shout them out. So be sure to get at us, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, or MM and Oscar on Twitter. Yeah. Michael. As always, if you make us laugh, laugh with a uh, audience question, yeah. we'll put it on MMOW or fit it in wherever we can. So we have a lot of fun with that. It always brightens up the show. So please do... Give us any of the uh, the extras. If we didn't get to them, highlight Please, it for us. Please, yes. Okay, what's coming up next? We have our predictions slash gambling episode. We're going to have an expert guest to explain what gambling is to me <laughs> and my dumb... Your yearly explanation. I need it. Your yearly lesson. So I need it, and uh, your words have just fallen on deaf ears. <laughs> I've just gone tone deaf <laughs> listening to you, blah, 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 Meanwhile, blah. I'm going to be placing bets about how much you understand from the gambling explanation. <laughs> because I have a problem. Wow. <laughs> now, who's taking that action out there? Is it Wojcik? I'll give you three to one. <laughs> Is it Burgundy? <laughs> who's taking it? We could place a bet on who's taking the bet. You understand? This is a downward spiral, Mike. I need help. You do need something. <laughs> Let's just say that. But we have that episode. We have uh, a final Oscars preview and then an Oscar morning episode coming out for you as well. The Oscar preview is going to have a very special guest yes. also. So that's what's coming up next. Words of wisdom again. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, those are the wisest words that we could surmise at this moment. Guys, as always, when reality sucks, you can swing by, watch these movies, talk about these award shows, and just hang out and have a good time, hopefully, with us. We are Mike, Mike, and I. Oscar, trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. Thank you once again. We'll see you plenty more this week. See you.